Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode, and we're kind of rounding out October with one last horror movie review, and it's not part of a franchise. Well, it's later been turned into a franchise now that I think about it, but we're going back to the original because you can tell from the title we're talking about the Blair Witch Project because it is 20 years old this year, and I can't believe that. Now, I can't do it alone. i got to have a co-host with me, and probably the most consistent co-host I have with me, Mr. Mike Wilson. How are you doing, Mike? you got to have a co-host. I mean, to be fair, the last episode I did was a solo episode. So. Was it the sound of you, like, talking to yourself as if you were another person? No, it was like, just... like Barry on Archer when he refers to himself as Barry, <laughs> another Barry, and he compliments himself, thanks, other Barry. Uh, no, it wasn't that. Uh, I, I was... You're laughing at your own jokes. No. it's almost no. as bad as you yourself... The other side of your, your brain and the voices in your head being your co-hosts out loud. That's almost as bad. Uh, no, it was just me monologuing into a microphone for about 13 minutes. we got to get you a life. <laughs> because I didn't have an episode that week, so I figured I decided to tell the story and, and fill the void. Mm. Sounds like you need to be filling some <laughs> voids and, instead of sitting at home talking to yourself out loud and recording it. With all the many voices in your head. <laughs> it's, only, it's the only way I can make the voices stop. Oh, uh, by talking to them? Yeah. What, do you do you tell them to be nice or you just tell them to shut up? I tell them to try and be nice. Be gentle. That's what I, that's the phrasing I use. And are they? For the most part. Okay. Um, it's, only, it's only some, certain nights. I mean, like that's why I had that weird dream with the twin L.A. Nessas played by Kevin Costner boring me to death. Oh, God. <laughs> That's worse than the Blair Witch being after you. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so you can tell from the title we're talking about the Blair Witch Project. So let's jump into our review of it right now. Okay, um, so Mike, when did you first see the Blair Witch Project, and when did you first hear about it? Let's go. In, well, the first that. time I ever heard about it, it was 1999 when this came out. Mm-hmm. I'd say when did this come out? July. So yes. I'd say around the springtime when the the advertising uh, train was in full was in uh, full gear, mm-hmm. choo chooing down the road. <laughs> down I, the road. I first was heard- it not on a track. Did it go off the rails already? Yes. I went off the rails. Already, so. <laughs> we just started, and I've already gone off the rails. I mean, you, your, your friendship to me is a clear. Uh, de- uh, I think the becoming a friend with me is a clear mind demarcation of this you going off the rails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, as you asked me, no, the first time I heard about it was actually a radio spot driving home one day. Uh, I forget who I was with, but I was driving home one day, heard the radio spot. I'm like, holy shit, that sounds kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I. Uh, from the Halloween series podcast we did, you all know around that time I was in finally getting into horror movies, mm-hmm. just watching whatever I could. I heard about that, and I'm like, holy shit, that, it caught my interest immediately. Just the whole idea of, like, these three people went missing, studying this, like, paranormal legend, 
and a year later, their footage was found. And were pres- I, I, I mean, there was the part of my brain that thought that's kind of exploitive, you know, like these yeah. people just went missing, and now someone's going to make a fucking buck off of the fact that they're dead. I mean, you tell me that the a media group is uh, using the death of people to exploit their own gains. You're not talking about the news industry, are you? Well, this was 1999, so it was a little bit before. That. Well, actually, no, Columbine happened, so I'm sure there was plenty of uh, exploiting going on back then. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone could just, you know, shit on any any type of popular entertainment. Mm-hmm. And say it causes death. Meanwhile, let's 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 view this fucking footage of uh, war zones. Yeah, because the day Columbine happened, we did bomb another country. Most people forget we bombed Kosovo. Yes. Yeah. And I think we bombed mostly hospitals, like civilian mm, locations. Not to take away from the tragedy of Columbine. Or no, anything. but it was just like, like there, was, there was just us oh, that was going. Sadly, it's like if, going no, to... I'm going to say to take away from newscasters just because if you're going to fucking broadcast that and then blame popular media and then immediately cut to talking about how entire, you know, a uh, 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 fucking country we just dropped bombs on and killed God knows how many people, then mm. fuck you. And it's kind of just like how I feel about the news today. Just fuck you and all of you just fucking rot. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you news you see on the TV it's today. It's not news it, anymore. It's it, entertainment. It's under, yeah, it is like it is a kind of soap opera going yep. on, everything like Each that. Each channel is like a different genre of fucking you know, yes. news entertainment. It's right. like, oh, you got the news for the... It's like ice cream. You got a flavor for everybody. Do mm-hmm. you like this stuff but hate that? Watch this one. Exactly. Anyways, now that we've now that anything goes and we've completely gotten off topic... Yeah. What, 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 what are we at? We're at, um, I think, like a little under... Yeah, a little over five minutes. Oh, okay. So within the first five minutes. That's that's standard for us. But yeah. Yes. I fell for the fucking hype train on Blair Witch immediately. Um, I started seeing commercials every now and again, but... You know, I kind of, I, I kind of forgot about it for a little while. Like I knew it was out, mm-hmm. and then one day I'm hanging out at my house. This is when my mother and stepfather were still married, and I had two of my stepbrothers over. They were over, you know, watching something on TV. I go downstairs, I look at the TV, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are you guys watching?" Thinking to myself, it's like they bring over some like friends' home movie, some tape or whatever. Mm-hmm. My stepbrother managed to p- procure a bootleg, the VHS really? bootleg. Yep. This is not the first time I've been able to. I know in 1995, when Mortal Kombat the movie came out, one of my uncles managed to get one for me. I think you've told me that story. I think, I've, yeah, because I think in the past few years, us being friends, I think we did watch Mortal Kombat together. We and, and, okay. and I think you brought up that story. But go on. And I think isn't that one of the things that we're something about that we're going to cover? We we decided something about Mortal Kombat to cover for next year. I think we we might be covering the movie next year. The movie or the games or something? Maybe a two-parter. I think we might do the games to kind of lead up to the movie because I know the movie is twenty-five years old next year. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is an anniversary podcast. I think we said on the last one, like every podcast we fucking planned out for like the next year and a half to two years has some kind of anniversary, More and we did or that less. completely by coincidence. Yeah, completely by fucking coincidence. Unless some of the Grand Theft Auto video games, otherwise. I think it's that's it. Because like yeah, San Andreas fifteenth. No, no, it will be two thousand four. Yes, two thousand four. It will be fifteen years if we did this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're not doing it. Sorry, folks. Okay. Yeah, screw all you. And so the bootleg <laughs> version of Blair Witch. Yeah. So they're watching it, and I didn't even pay much mind to it first. I just looked at it. And I'm like, okay, this is home movie footage. There's people walking around talking, and I'm like, did you guys, like, film something? Is this one of our old home movies or one of your old home Because we, we would when we went on family vacations. My stepfather got a hold of, I think, one of his brother's camcorders, and we, you know, with the little mini DV tapes or whatever it was, right. we'd record our, our outings and stuff, and there's footage somewhere that exists of me 
skiing horribly and falling down and probably getting hurt. You probably ski better than me because I like I can barely stand up when I try skiing. I've only done it once. I, I will attempt again, but um, I will never go skiing or snowboarding again because I have gotten it hurt so many times doing it. it, it Not like severe crippling injury, but like I think I got a concussion once, and that's. On top, of, on top of the possible concussion you gave yourself with a baseball bat. Yeah, trying to go to sleep one day. Yeah. See the last podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. But, yeah, they're watching this, and then it's starting to dawn on me, like, there's something different about this. Like, wait a minute. Like, like I'm like, what is this? Oh, it's that Blair Witch movie. I'm like, oh, shit. So <laughs> I sat down, and we were already more than halfway through it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, what fucking part were we up to? Was Josh with them still? Yes. Okay. Josh was with them still. I think it was after, and we'll get to the plot synopsis. Bless synopsis. Plot synopsis. I think it was. All right, Murderface, calm down. Not synopsis. (laughs) I don't drink this piss over here. I think it was after the part where they hear the children in the woods. Mm-hmm. giggling, and then the tent is attacked and they go running. I think it was after that. I'm okay. Not sure. And it's so funny that you mentioned that, uh, like, video cameras and everything, because one of the funniest jokes in a movie that came out the same year, The Sixth Sense, is when they cut to a theater performance that Haley Joel Osment's character is a part of, and it, it cuts to the um, parents all in the audience, and it's like a dozen parents all at the same time pull out their own video cameras to record the uh, play and everything. And like, Because camcorders became very cheap at that point. It, it was very common for a household to have one much like 15 to 20 years prior like most houses would like would have a super 8 camera or some kind of recording device to capture family memories i never had one ever <laughs> no until then funny enough that well, we never you know i tell a lie my mom did have a video camera but she never used it and i never used it and i kind of kicked myself for not using that at some point when i was a kid because of my chosen uh, path in life well, i just find it fucking funny how like nowadays like it drives me nuts when i'm just watching because like i said i worked at i work at a high school just watching fucking people just filming themselves just kids like do, doing like filming on instagram and, and, and little things and i just try to like when i see them doing that i just try to get the fuck out of the way i don't want to be interviewed i don't want to be talked to i don't want my face appearing on anyone's thing because if i say the wrong thing someone will show their parents say that guy works at high school and then i'll be gone well stop dressing up like michael myers and walking around the school i don't dress up like michael myers i just wear the t-shirt on halloween ah uh, i did that last year it was pretty cool actually nice. two years in a row i wore my halloween t-shirt to work now is that the just a halloween t-shirt or is the one with the samuel Lo- loomis uh no, no no it was it was last year was the the one for the new movie mm-hmm. right and this year, the year before that was my old, old one from like 2007. It was like the, it was, it was like the Halloween four cover, except they cut out the four in Halloween. Oh, okay, yeah, but um, yeah. So we watched this fucking movie, and it, it was it was captivating. It was now, legitimately captivating. Do you was it the 90 minute ver- the, tw- the hour and 20 minute version, or was it the longer cut that was bootlegged out before it had the initial release? I don't know. Okay, it's so long ago, I don't know. I'm gonna say regular version because nothing. I remember from that really feels like it's missing from this. Okay. Um, I know I did. I watch it with him. I can't remember if I watched it again at some point. I I can't remember where or when it was when I saw the whole movie in its entirety. Mm -hmm. I know I did shortly after that. Um, But yeah, I was I was captivated. I was kind of freaked out. A little disappointed by the the last the, the last shot that the movie kind of. Mm-hmm. hangs on right because it's like we built up with this whole Blair Witch thing we have when they're running out of the tent and we'll go into this more how screaming what the fuck is that what the fuck is that how like th- that was supposed to be the moment when we were supposed to see something but then yeah. we don't and it's like okay you know 
it's keeping everything in the dark intentionally, and that totally worked for me up until the ending. But then when the ending happened and we got literally nothing, mm-hmm. no payoff for the most part, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of let me down a bit. But I remember it stood with me for a while just thinking about that. Like, I got like the willies. I wasn't like freaked out where life was ruined like Halloween did to me. But right. I definitely got the willies from it. I wanted to learn more about it. And then came the the the, uh, the rumor that it was all bullshit. It was all fake because the marketing for this in the early days of the internet, in my opinion, was flawless. Right, fucking flawless, and it fooled a lot of people. Yeah, because at that point it was all confounded by the fact that they had the Blair Witch dot uh, com, which is the Blair Witch Project website, where it like they treated it real. They didn't like say, "Oh, this is just a movie." And, like, no, these are actual things that happened, and stuff that was shot and never used in the movie was used as clips in there to like really. Um, sensationalized at the fact that this was a true event and these people are dead. Yeah, I, 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 it, nothing about like, oh, they only shot 90 minutes worth of footage or whatever stuck with me. I, I immediately understood the concept of, oh, there's a, there's a ton of footage that was shot and this is this is the real meat and potatoes of it. This is right. what really tells the story. This is this is it with the gobs of fat trimmed. Right, and, and you, get, you gotta ask yourself, okay, say this was real. Say if it was real. For the hypothetical situation, who would cut this together? Who would release it? I mean, like, if you did release it, it would have to be so indie, so underground that, like, otherwise... Like a snuff film. It would, like, Tape trading would, in a back alley. That's how it would be. It would not be put out by a major no. uh, uh, or a mini-major uh, company like Artisan to, to for profit because the families would just assume, like, you're making, you're making money off the death of my children, yeah. yada, yada, yada. I, I would say the only thing that really killed my suspension of disbelief is that I know that throughout the movie, the fact that Heather wants to keep filming all the shit because it's part of her project... That's why we're always. That's why we're always seeing this through the lens of the camera because she always wants to be filming. She wants to catch everything. And she almost never lets that go till the end. When we're seeing them walk around the house, and who is it? Was was? It's Mike and Heather. Yes. Which camera was? Heather had the sixteen millimeter camera. And Mike had the high eight camera. Who had the color? Who had the black? The high eight was color. The bl- the sixteen millimeter was black and white. Heather had that one. Okay, because I'm wa- watching. I'm just looking at like. As she's walking behind Mike, I'm seeing Mike walk around, still looking through the viewfinder, like, why are you still fucking, why, why are you filming? Mm-hmm. Why are you filming? As we watched it before, it kind of dawned on me, oh, yeah, there's there's like a light source on this camera. Yeah, so, both okay. of them have a independent light source on the top of the camera. So it's, nobody's carrying a flashlight. It's pitch dark in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, all right, it's more of a light source. But, like, why is she still, like, kind of looking down why the viewfinder? Why are you scaring your eye by yeah. closing one of them? Yes. You'd want well, both eyes open, and you was like, you'd hold it up, like, near your face and everything. That's that's what, that's what kind of was. I'm going to make a lot of wrestling analogies over here. That was what the, the slapping the leg during the punch was for me. Like, my, seeing Mike look down the viewfinder was like the equivalent and a slap in the leg when you see someone throw a punch. Right. Now, I mean, I thought that this, I thought it was real enough, you know, you saw the rumors and then I don't think there was a revelatory moment where I discovered, oh my God, it's fake, like mm-hmm. wrestling or whatever. Uh, it sort of dawned on me like, all right, yeah, maybe. I, I think I might have convinced myself that just to make it less scary. You didn't come out of the theater screaming, it's still real to me, damn it. I didn't, well, I didn't see it in theaters at all. But oh, you didn't see it? Did not I, go to see it in theaters. So Everything you- I saw was uh, at home. Okay, so you, when was the time you saw it officially? In the, uh, I don't. Re- that's why I'm saying I don't remember. Okay, it's, seeing it fully, in its time. I might have watched that tape again. I don't know if my stepbrother had to when he had to give it back or whatever. Right. So I think he borrowed it from somebody. Uh, it might have been later on when it premiered on TV or on or probably on on uh, like the, one of the movie channels and stuff. Because I know my aunt and uncle later on saw it. They mm-hmm. fucking hated it. Oh really? Yeah. My my uh, 
my Uncle James, my redneck Uncle James. Like, there was an hour and a half of a bunch of dumb fucking people walking around the woods. Like, that wasn't fucking scary at all. Like, and people had that polarizing reaction. There really weren't any, to my knowledge, middle of the road reactions. Because it became such a. It was love or hate. Lightning rod of a movie that it became immediately part of the zeitgeist. It makes sense why people would be either, oh, this is one of the greatest things ever, or this is. Go, dog shit, and you didn't want to. You want to tear it down every time yeah. you chance to get. But the moment I knew, the moment I, that confirmed for me the fact that this movie wasn't one hundred percent real was later that year at the MTV Video Music Awards. The three of them and Buddy Hackett presenting Best Direction in a in a music video, and Heather Donahue. She's got her hair like almost in this weird like perm and like a tube top. Yeah. Oh boy, that's got to be. She, she was. She was definitely. Uh, she was definitely on the red carpet that night. Oh, for sure. And, and it is curious because um, that they purposely kept a low profile after the movie was wrapped. Yeah. And it kind of built the mythos around the movie that it was real, much like the actors for *Cannibal Holocaust*. And that's what led for the director of *Cannibal Holocaust*. Uh, Rodrigo, I forget how to pronounce the last name. Rodrigo Digiduro. Digiduro. Rugaro Digiduro. Yes, it's make it worse. That's what I'm going to say. Rugaro Digiduro. He had to he had to prove that he didn't kill his actors by having them actually appear in court. Right, and even like in the late 70s, you had the movie Snuff, where people thought it was a stuff film and everything, and people thought the cast members were dead. Faces of death. Faces of death, and but like Cannibal Holocaust is a very is is like one of the first big movies to have what they would later be called the found footage genre. It definitely popularized it. It wasn't the first, but it, it's it's what made it a fucking full blown genre. Right. Kind of like how Halloween wasn't the first to really be considered your slasher genre with your masked killer or whatnot wielding 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 a signature weapon. Yeah. But it was the one that popularized it. Right. And but like then you have to go to 1998, the year before the Blair Witch Project came out. And you had the last broadcast where it was very similar premise about a few uh, documentary filmmakers who go who disappear after investigating the New Jersey Devil in the Pine Barrens. And that movie works. Is, that's more of a documentary rather than a found footage movie because there's much more talking heads. But that movie falls apart in the very last scene and because it all of a sudden becomes like a true narrative film. And they're like, wait, this doesn't – what? And then the person who's doing this investigation just murders somebody like – Huh? <laughs> and like, and it's very strange. But before we get into more of the history of the film itself, my personal history is like I did not see this until like. Wait, what's your personal history? With this, it doesn't matter what your personal history is. I had to. It was from the era as well, 1999. Yes, so. I thought you were going to try and lay a smack. It snack. doesn't matter what your personal history is. He's going to try and lay a smackdown on me. Uh, give me the people's elbow. Through this table. Oh no, 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 no! But can you do? Can you do the rock eyebrow though? Okay, <laughs> the total very, visual on the yeah, for both of us just raising our eyebrows at each other. It was a very uh, a wonderful component to this podcast. It really raises an eyebrow when we do visual <laughs> things on an audio podcast. So my story would. Hey, does it matter what you're? Th- <laughs> my story with the movie is is that uh, uh is that it doesn't matter. <laughs> I did not see this for years because 
Um, I, I can't, it's like just the aura about the movie was terrifying. I, I'm pretty sure my sister saw it without me, and like, I think they were really spooked by the movie because of how effective the movie was. And so at this must have been like years later, I rented it myself, and I watched it in my room, and I have like the one desk lamp next to me, next to my bed, it's the only thing that's illuminating the room. And it was, it was cliche, but it was a dark and stormy night, so like my house is creaking in the wind, and it just really adds the ambiance of it. And I, like, I was freaked out by it. Like, I even like it was more than this has to be nine years ago at this point. And it was still freaky, and it really unnerved me. And I knew about the last scene because Bravo did their top 100 scariest movie moments like more than 10 years ago. Right now, 15 years ago, I remember. Is, is it 15 years 15 ago? 15 years ago. And the, the the last scene was the highlighted moment from the movie. And so I knew about that. I knew how to I wish they fucking released that on DVD. 100 Scary Movies. You can't find it on YouTube. I know I can, but every time I go looking for it, at least one part is, has been taken it, down from copyright claims. Right. And, and uh, you're probably a, a bitch for Bravo trying mm-hmm. to put that out there. But, yeah, I really enjoy it. And that's what introduced me to so many different movies I'd never seen before. Oh, yeah, I watch that, too. And a lot of movies I heard of for the first time through that. Yeah, I mean, like Alice, Sweet Alice I'd never seen before or Don't Look Now. Um and so, like, I'm one of those people that still thinks it's really effective, and I and I, I fall on the, the line that it is still scary. We'll get into the debate of, like, if it, la- it sticks the landing or not. I don't know if I'm going to be able to convince you, but we'll see what happens. Um, but how this movie came about is that it, back in 1993, uh, we had a pair of filmmakers. Uh, From the University of Central Florida, filmmakers Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, inspired to make this film after realizing they found documentaries on paranormal phenomena scarier than traditional horror movies. Yes. And they were also feeling that, like, horror movies with their their overblown sequels or, like, comedy horror had just gotten so stale. And they wanted to go back to real, really just disturbing shit. Yeah. Like The Exorcist and, and whatnot. Because you think about it, early 90s for horror was kind of a dead zone for it. I mean, no pun intended. But it was, was just slapstick uh, horror, like... Uh, just sequel of the sequel of Slash. I'm the Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I is the Leprechaun. Stop it, Wayne. Stop it. All right, Joe. Go, go, it's okay. It's, it's me. Okay. It's me. It's, it's me. It's the Leprechaun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything goes, folks. Anything does go, including Wayne's world. Uh, Anything goes, especially the audience. <laughs> and so... They were inspired by movies like The Exorcist, The Shining, and like documentaries of like Legend of uh, uh, Boggy Creek, along with a TV series In Search of, and wanted to do something uh, based about uh, based upon like kind of urban legends. And so they came up with a 35 page treatment of the movie that would become later the. Blair Witch Project, and it was improvised uh, scenes was going to be the backbone of the movie. Yeah, that's what's interesting is the fact that, like, the treatment pretty much is the script because it relied so much on improvisation by the, the all the actors, you know, the, and the, we'll get into how they set everything up. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of this was really just because obviously you can't do something that looks like it's real without it feeling organic. Yes. Like that. Like, you, if you put words on a page. It, it loons it, – it's no longer – Well, for one thing, you'll need – pretty much you need someone of considerable writing talent to make those words feel real like mm-hmm. they do in normal movies, but also actors that can make those words on the page come off as real. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't I've, – I've actually never seen anything else these people have been in, but I doubt they're a Marlon Brando that could read it off of a baby's diaper and it would yeah. sound like fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and but that that was the kind of like the backbone of it because they're like oh we want somebody who we want actors who could do improvisational kind of like oh, I don't want to say like sketch sketches or anything but they're just kind of built upon like all right here's the premise of what the conflict is you want this from this person while that person wants this from you and just like let it rip and see how far you go and they would they did give themselves out if anything got like a little too out of hand they did have a safe word like to use the word tacos tacos was the safe word it's like all right let's stop and we're doing everything otherwise it's just like, we're just gonna they're, keep going staying in character pretty much the whole time which the, you have to imagine you have like you're being with a certain intention it, it just like it drains you because you're just like all right i have to accomplish this and it's just like yeah. it, for hours on end it is exhausting and along with the treatment they did have a backstory of what the Blair Witch was and like it started out with like in 1639 the Blair Maryland town was founded um, and then a week later the town founder died in his sleep and 1785 excuse me Ellie Kedward is burned the stake after she's being accused of being a witch now what's interesting too is that many of these characters that they make up are actually anagrams yes Ellie Kedward is an anagram of Edward Kelly, a 16th century mystic. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters later, Rustin Parr, who the, the fictional child murderer inspired by the Blair, you know, I guess possessed by the Blair Witch, which yeah. you'll discuss in a moment, was an anagram of Rasputin. And, like, I wonder if his last words were without Rasputin. Lover of the Russian Queen. Queen. I like the Turi Sass version better. Same here. Yes. And like I, many a times, uh, myself, Zach, and Dakota, and I would like we would blast that before we go out. Like, now you're drinking. Like that's our hype song as <laughs> we head out there. If you need, dude, if you need fucking folk metal drinking songs, I got you covered, <laughs> big time. Oh my god, there was something. Oh. Uh, there was a, a little piece of animation of Donald Duck dancing, and somebody he was dancing with somebody else who was playing a fiddle. And it's like it's him being very pump, pumped up, and it says metal. And then the person starts playing a fiddle, and this is folk metal, and it's just them kind of like dancing with each other, playing music, and I'm like that's folk metal in, to a T right there. There you go. Um, in 1786, um, children start disappearing despite the fact that uh, Ellie Kedward has been burned. Uh, so they abandon the town. By 1823, Burkittsville is founded on the ruins of what the town of Blair was. Um, in 1825, an 11-year-old ca- uh, uh, girl has disappeared and dies. By March of 1886... Pulls into the river. Pulls right. into the river, yes. By, by a female figure. A female figure, right. In, in a weird shawl that the yes. she was wearing. In 1886, a search party goes out for another missing child, five men, and they were disemboweled and tied together into the shape of a pentagram by the time but one person saw him and went for help by the time the whole party got back to investigate vultures were there but the bodies weren't there was nothing else there and that was that happened on coffin rock on may may of 1941 rustin parr is is convicted after confessing to murdering seven children in the town of burkittsville what he would do was that he took the seven children up to his house and he would take them down two two at a time to his basement he put, he'd make one of them face the corner while he murdered the other. And, and then he'd kill the other one facing the corner. Facing the corner, and because he didn't like them watching him while he did it. So just bring one down. Yeah, I know. I know, because movie. Movie. <laughs> and he, when, after the seven were killed, he returned to the town and says, I'm finished. Uh, by May, uh, by November, he was hanged for his crimes. October 1994, the three filmmakers uh, ventured out to the woods to create a documentary and it disappeared. By October 1995, their footage was mysteriously found 
in in a strange house in the woods. Yes. Now, I mean, this this question will come up more. I mean, I'm sure most of you have seen this fucking movie already, but right, <laughs> darker plot synopsis. But like, I, I think about that aspect of recovering the footage. Like, it was found in a backpack. All these all these cans of 16 millimeter film mm-hmm. was found in a backpack in the in the strange house in the middle of the woods. And it's like, who found this? Like, as we find out in some of the um, promotional material, a 10-day search party, you know, went out, went out to there. Went the filmmakers and found nothing. Found nothing over the course of 10 days. So what was this? Was it just some fucking dumb yokel who stumbled upon this? Was it I'm sure there's probably an Why was on the old Blair Witch website that probably gives them the great detail who Why wasn't it? the witch chasing this person? Why wasn't this happen? Like, yeah. if, if this was so deep in the woods that they were lost, how'd this person... Not get fucked with for days on end. How'd he get out? Did he bring his? Did he drive through the woods with his with his truck? Did he lug all this old this old? I wouldn't lug an old moldy backpack with me from and, a cans of film with the two cameras because the two cameras were recovered. Yeah, and it's like what the fuck? Like like if I found an old cans of film and 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 cameras in the woods, I wouldn't lug that shit back with me. You old wouldn't? moldy stuff. No. Oh, I, I, want, no. I, want, I want to see what's on there. I'd be, I'd be too fucking freaked out to see what's on there. I'd be like, what the fuck? Is this like the ring or something? Is someone going to come out and get me? Now that you phrase it like that, that would be kind of creepy. Look, if you're in a fucking abandoned shit, what was he, what was he doing in a, who, what was this person doing in a abandoned shithole of a house in the middle of nowhere anyway that nobody's seen in fucking Maybe 200 hiking. years? Maybe he was hiking, found upon the house, walked in there. But the Blair Witch let him get away? Like, what, is a warning to Hollywood not to make a found footage genre <laughs> out of this and, and exploit this and make it shitty? <laughs> this is a warning. Stop doing this, all right? The Blair Witch really wanted to be famous, and she was just mad that she was born in the wrong era and burned at the stake. No, not burned at the stake. Left to die of exposure before she could invent Hollywood. Yes. In the 1800s. Yeah. And so... Before she could invent the found footage genre. <laughs> And so the after this all this was kind of laid out for them, they decided they needed they needed actors. They need they so they went through a, around I think around two thousand actors they had auditioned. And they originally what was it? They um, put out a casting call advertisement in Backstage magazine, and um, yeah, it, it was the the one thing it said was independent horror horror film must have good improvisational skills. Right, because it was like they even like mentioned the fact that it's going to be a primarily improvised movie. And the one thing is, like, so we had the three, had the three principals come in and who would later be cast. So we have Heather Donathue, we have Joshua Leonard, and Michael C. Williams. And, like, one of the questions that Heather, like, recalls is, like, all right, like, you're seven years, like, one of the questions that the directors asked him, like, like kind of a spitball kind of a conversation and the situation was, like, all right, you're seven years into a nine-year prison sentence and you're up for a parole hearing. How would, you, how would you appeal to them? And just to see how they would deal with the tenacity of the situation they're in. But it was so funny because Heather was so con- was unconvinced that this would possibly be a real production and it might actually be a snuff film <laughs> that she did bring a hunting knife with her to defend herself just in case if things went awry during well, yeah, the production. Well, the first nights of filming is them mostly in the hotel hanging out drinking. So it's like if this is a fucking snuff film and these people want me to get drunk with these two total strangers that I've yeah. just met. like Which there is a... A YouTube channel called The Film Theory, an offshoot of Game Theory, where they said, like, there was no witch and that, that Josh and Mike are actual serial killers and did this just to terrorize Heather and then finally kill her in the end. Well, is that plausible? Because isn't she the one that organized most of this shit? Well, yeah, they, they saw it's an opportunity and exploited it. Oh. 
I mean, I, it's been a while since I've watched that video. I got to rewatch. Nice. I have to re, have to rewatch. I'm filled with it. Wendy's right now. What? I'm filled with Wendy's right now. Yes. There's our there's a our junk food update of our. our I got like three different types of double cheeseburgers, so it's really good. <laughs> and so, so they shot for about eight days in the. Primarily in Seneca Creek State Park in Montgomery County, Maryland. Yes, uh, a couple of films. Most of most of what's the beginning was was actually filmed in the town of Burkittsville, mm-hmm. which rests upon B- the former town of Blair, mm-hmm. allegedly. Right? Yes. Is, was Blair a real town? Or? I don't think so. Okay, so, but most of the townspeople interviewed in the film were not actors. We had a couple people, and, and it's interesting to point out who I, 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 who made it into the final cut that wasn't an actor, because many of the people they interviewed do have. You know, long enough dialogues to, to speak about it in detail. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like if this was just your average fucking yokel, I don't think that, like, they'd be willing to sit here and talk to. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be. Everybody would love to be a part of a movie, even documentary. But still, the, be on TV, the delivery but, would not get off as. No, and some legit. of them, like, were actors planted. Um, yeah, some were actors. Unbeknownst to the film crew, unbeknownst to the three principals. And so I, I assume. Most, I believe, like the mother with the with the child. I'm sure she's an actress. Actor, I'm sure. That, what was it? The shop owner. Or something? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the only one that wasn't was the old man with the baseball cap. He says, "Do you believe in witchcraft?" No. Are you a religious man? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a. That, I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's local. Just, I'm pretty sure that's your local yokel. Uh, it's so funny. I was listening to another podcast uh, of Canadian uh, horror fans who have a very successful show. Uh, they took their like trip into the United States. Like that's what they've been for like the last two months, and they were going up the East Coast, so they went to Burkittsville. And it was so funny because they were walking around, and a, a person approached him, was like, "You're here for Blair Witch." And he's like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" Like, "Well, you're dressed in all in black, and your wife has green hair, and you guys look like you're so amazed right now." So I assume you're horror fans. <laughs> well, that's pretty different compared to the way they portray the townspeople in Blair Witch too. Oh God, yeah, where they're very. But was that real? Who knows? Because shit. <laughs> There's an extended cut That's of all you Blair, got Blair Witch 2 that was never released, and I think... That's our review see. of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Just something happens because of shit. Yes. Um, did they murder somebody? Did they not? I Who don't knows? know. Who wrote it? Damon Lindelof? Uh, Bill- <laughs> That's funny. And so, in the pre-production of it is that they had to have a kind of a crash course in filmmaking, and so the... Actors of, of uh, Heather, Josh, and Mike were shown how to use the high eight camera, the sixteen millimeter camera, how to load it up, how to take the film canister off, and everything. Now, the high eight was the only one in color; sixteen millimeter was entirely in black and white. So yes. it bounces back and forth between the two different footages. Yeah, and they really do mix nicely, I'd say. Yeah, and because they were both in the same aspect ratio of like four by three, and it, if you watch an HD version of it, they did stretch it to be sixteen by nine. Um, Watching it in HD is a moot fucking point because. Yeah. Maybe not the – well, the 16-millimeter stuff, probably not the most moot because you, you – Texas. I, I'd say the, the 40th anniversary Blu-ray of Texas Chainsaw Massacre proves you can, you know, get you – can, you can make lemonade if your lemons aren't, aren't the juiciest. Yeah. I, I mean, it is kind of astounding, the, the, the look of that movie. Yeah, that, that, that Blu-ray turned out as good as it can. So I'd say the 16-millimeter – but, but the thing is, like we said, it all kind of blends together. It's still, yeah, like if I found this for like $2 in a DVD bin, like I picked it up, like even though I'm pretty much like I buy Blu-rays exclusively nowadays, like, I think a DVD was still like – it might even add to the ambiance unless of the movie itself. Yeah, unless there's like a special fe- – like spe- never-before-released special features on the Blu-ray fucking I, – I, I, I haven't even done the fucking – research for what version to get yeah like we normally do just because like i guarantee you whatever you're going to get as long as it was remastered in some kind of 
way, it'll yeah. look as nicer as, than it'll look on as VHS. As long as the sound quality That's is, really what you got to look for. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 it's over, and it was done in a 2.0 mix. Yes. I don't think there's a surround sound mix of this at all to continue with that. No, because I think we only, like we watched it earlier before this evening. I think it's just well. That's also the way I have my shit hooked up. My we watched it. We unfortunately we couldn't procure a physical copy to watch, so we had to uh, rent this on YouTube. Mm-hmm. At the time of this uh, recording, October 2019, it's actually on sale to rent for only two dollars. Yes, you get it for 48 hours. So we did that, but the way my Roku stick is set up, it's set up where it cannot do proper surround sound. Oh, okay. So. That makes sense. Since I watch it, use my Roku mostly for watching like shows and YouTube and shit. I don't really need surround sound. Right. Like if I want to watch movies on it, I'll fucking turn on my PlayStation Four or something. Yeah, I, I mean, like if you're going to be watching YouTube content, I think you really need it no. to be in sound. This has got stereo is fine like that. Um, and so it's so curious because there was a behind the scenes feature on the making of Pulp Fiction. I remember this where it's. They're setting up the shot of when Bruce Willis is supposed to run over Marcellus Wallace in the street, and it's Quintetino operating his little high eight camera. And he's like he's he's doing like a kind of like a mock interview with Bruce Willis as he's sitting behind the the driver's seat waiting to do the take, and he's like and Bruce is like hey 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 you know what someday some kids are gonna make an entire movie on just that, and they're gonna make a lot of money doing that. And so in a weird way he did kind of predict the fact that a movie shot primarily in high eight video would uh, happen and kind of the earliest incarnation of digital filmmaking being really utilized yes. in a mainstream fashion. And it, it, I also find really curious that they, they bought the Hyatt camera and the CP16 16mm camera, which was like a standard use uh, camera that most uh, TV broadcasters would use for uh, uh, for. For broadcast news in the year for years before they switched over the video during like the nineteen eighties, once they were done with them, they both sold like in true indie fashion. They sold them both in order to get money back, <laughs> and because they, they, that's one of the with the Duplass brothers like rules when it comes to filmmaking. Like once you're done with the equipment, sell it back, and hopefully you can done in thirty days of your original purchase, so you can get everything back. So you made a movie and you've made money on it or immediately. Um, and so they shot for about eight days. Mostly, like like we said, we in Burkittsville for the openings, Seneca Creek State Park in Montgomery County, and not a in not a huge area. No, it's not, it's not that big of a wooded area. No, and the movie does a great job of making it seem like they're lost in like the fucking sticks of like. Canada. Oh, they're like they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle. They're in the goddamn rainforest. You're expecting like poisonous snakes to come out or something. That's how right. lost they are. But um, the they were given clues as to you know where they're supposed to go. Inside messages that were inside 35 millimeter film cans and milk crates, and they had a GPS system that would send them to like, all right, go to this location to find your supplies and everything. Yep, this will be your next thing. It had emergency escape routes if, for whatever if reason, need they needed be, to if go. something went awry. Yeah, so they had that, and in these crates were always food and water. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time went on, though, just as as we're supposed to see the characters get more and more agitated and freaked out. They started giving them less and less food, but always plenty of water. Yeah, and, you get, and uh, most of the food consisted of power bars and uh, bananas for, I guess, for potassium for energy right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and the crew would set up the tents, and so the the actors didn't have to do that. But at one point during the shoot, it was raining, as we do see in the movie, that one of the tents ended up having flooding. flooding. <laughs> and in just such an occasion, there were walkie-talkies that the, the actors and the crew had. However, 
they couldn't reach the crew via walkie-talkies, and so they used one of the escape routes to go to a house in order to where they had like set up like, hey, if something happens, some people might be coming to if in a worst case scenario. They did. They went to the house, got on the phone, and called the filmmakers like, hey, this is what happened. So the filmmakers put them up in a motel for the night. But then the following day, back out in the shit. Yep, and back out in the shit, private <laughs> Joker. <laughs> I imagine like I get I, I, this is hypothetical like. Using money for a motel, you get less food now. We're just gonna take these bars, <laughs> power bars away. Take these just, power bars. Just be power really, bars and bananas. Really fucking shitty about that. That's what I imagine what happened there. Yes, but what's interesting too is that each of the actors was given individual instructions based on like how they want things to go, based on how they review their dailies. Originally, the character, you know, we're getting maybe a little spoiler territory right here. But the character of Michael was originally supposed to be the one that goes missing. Yeah. But they kind of liked his, I guess, freak-out performances of mm-hmm. losing it, so they changed it to Josh. Yeah. And so he- they kind of did really – because of the improvisational nature of the movie, they were able to change details like that without screwing anything up. Right, because they they would view the video dailies each evening. So I assume that was done. They'd give the tapes over to the filmmakers, and then they would settle down for the night. But it was during the night – that's when the filmmakers were really starting to fuck with the, the cast. They were they were given a very loose idea that something was going to happen, you know, some some paranormal incident was going to happen, but they were not told what or when or when. Just react. Just react. Like so, a lot of the times they were legitimately woken up from their sleep. Right. They would wait until the wee hours in the morning, and they would go up and make sure everybody was asleep and nobody was talking, and then they would break sticks in the in distance. They throw rocks. rocks. Uh, they would play. The sounds of children's laughing and and crying and over a boombox to do fuck with them. They would um, eventually when Josh goes missing. Yeah, have recordings of him just screaming nonsense into the night mm-hmm. and play that back. Right, and so then he was done. So he luckily for him, he was able to bounce early. Right. Yeah. There. He, so so maybe Mike did a bad job by doing, doing too good of a job. Too good a job because he could he could have got off early. Exactly. He could have got paroled early. <laughs> And then there was one instance of how they really messed them, which we'll get into later on because I think it's I think we'll wait until it actually happens during the movie. But so they shot for eight days and they had roughly like eighteen to twenty hours worth of footage that they were had to comb through. And the initial idea was to have more of the talking heads and like maybe fifteen to twenty minutes worth of of uh, the kids going to disappearing. But once they reviewed all the footage, they realized. The narrative is with them because it's so genuine because they're so yeah. good at improving that let's have less of the talking heads and more of them being scared shitless in the woods. And one of the first cuts they had was about like two and a half hours in length. Now, was that the one that they premiered at uh, – what the fuck was it? Sundance? Sundance? No. They did earlier film festivals, like smaller ones yes. to build buzz and – And that gen- based on the feedback from those, they would – Alt, re-edit the movie and trim and it down. And then submit the subdance, and then that's where... Until we got down to about a hour and 21-minute version, version of, of the it. film. And that's why I asked, because bootlegs did get out of those initial film festival screenings, so I did. that's why I asked like if it was from one of those early film festivals that you saw, or it was at the I don't theatrical recall. cut. I, I'm going to assume it was the theatrical cut, because okay. I know that the movie was in theaters at the time I saw the bootleg. Okay, and and like I said, I don't remember. There's nothing from that that I remember that stands out to me as missing when I watch the theatrical cut. Okay, now it's like reported budget between twenty five thousand and sixty thousand dollars. Like that's where the rough ball ballpark was. However, 
it had such a resounding um, response to the audience that it was a bidding war happened, and Artisan bought it for $1.1 million. Now, they also spent a considerable amount on advertising because yeah. as we got closer to the – they had the TV spot. They had the website that went up. Mm-hmm. That was, Did you ever go to the website? I might have. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks I did, but I cannot really remember too well. Okay. But they would post flyers, the fucking missing persons flyers, oh, it, all it, over the town of Burkittsville. And like, all over Sundance to like, kind of generate it for, for the, that screening. But especially in Burkittsville, once they were purchased, because Artisan Sport spent reportedly $25 million on advertising to get this out there, along with reshooting the ending multiple times. Um, which for they eventually went back to the original ending. We'll get into that when we get to the ending itself. And they did uh, kind of a they did a new sound mix of it, and then a little bit of edits here and there from the Sundance version to the one we get to see in the theaters. And it would go on to gross nearly two hundred fifty million dollars. Yes, it released in um, July of nineteen ninety nine. July fourteenth, sorry, uh, January twenty fifth, ninety nine was the Sundance premiere mm-hmm. july 14th 1999 uh, was the u.s premiere yeah 81 minutes in length budget of around 60 million gross 248.6 million dollars now i wonder if it's made more than the paranormal activity it's possible because i think wasn't paranormal activity made for a lot cheaper it's 15 grand yeah because Be- it was mostly was, done in the guy's house yeah that was before paramount picked it up and did the uh like because they were that that also has multiple endings of, of different versions that they test screened out as well, and but that that also had a huge <laughs> internet. Uh, the fucking one ending when the when the when the cop shooter. Yeah, it's just like it's so it's so illogical. It's like you, you almost hear them say, oh, the, like she's a Mika, where are you, man? But there's a white woman approaching. Yeah, because like she still had the blood on her, and she's still holding, holding the knife, knife and, and approached them, and like, and the cops uh, gun her down right there. Mm-hmm. That was one ending. The second ending was... She walks up to the camera, slits her throat, and collapses. Yeah, and then the third ending is the one we see in the movies yeah. where she eats the camera. Something like that. After she throws turns it. Into his, turns into a spooky face, which yeah. I think has been repeated way too often yeah. in found footage movies. Mm-hmm. I, I love the ending of one of the... Of the Paranormal Activity like, sequels. I forget what it was, where it's like... We find out that her family is actually a coven of witches. Like, oh, number three, that one I and, saw like, in she, theaters. And she like breaks the back of one of her friends, like for with the power of the force, and chucks somebody across the uh, yard and everything. And then she's like, it's just the though the camera itself is like flanked by a bunch of witches that are floating or flying at one point. Like that's they were just they just turned and were slowly approaching. Like that one was fucking creepy as yeah. fuck. But I I love in the ending of fucking uh, number two when when. Uh, Katie, after, you know, escaping, yeah. killing her husband or boyfriend or whatever, she goes to, like, the house of the sister. There's the, the husband sitting on the couch. She literally, like, snaps his neck. But she, like, picks him up in the air and snaps. I actually started laughing. I that <laughs> killed him. Because, <laughs> like, he goes down like such a rag doll. It was right so there. goofy. Just <laughs> picked him up and picked him up, then twisted his head and dropped him. He <laughs> finally she twists the head off and then just chucks the head at the camera. Slam dunks it. <laughs> Into like a laundry basket, uh, and then goes, yeah. <laughs> Two points for that Two one. Two points. Um, and so, yeah. Is there any, and is there anything else that we need to cover before we get into the movie stuff? I'm trying to think now. Uh, nothing from before. Maybe after. Oh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of like we'll sum up like where everybody is now by the time the movie is over. And so, 
the movie opens up with the fact that Heather is starting her documentary. Well, it's very interesting. The, the opening credits, if you could even call it that, is just literally the, the title in white letters, The Blair Witch Project. Right. Basic font. And then the if followed by completely dead silence. Black background, white text, plainest white text, The Blair Witch Project. Then comes to, in October of 1994, three student filmmakers in the town of Burkittsville, near the town of Burkittsville, Maryland, went missing. And their footage was found a year later. Yeah, and that's where the the term first found footage was kind of coined because of that that sentence right there. And so the movie opens up with Heather like talking to the camera and really starting the documentary proper. And it is curious, like like we like there's no establishing it. It's just like, hey, this is what what's going on right now, and how this is like that. Her and Josh are already friends, and they're getting prepped for this documentary. Yeah, uh, she's bringing along, like, survival books and stuff. Uh, a book of research. A book of research. So, some old book about what happened to Coffin Rock. And then all the all the gear they're going to be taking with them. Yep, so they have to go. They have to actually pick up Mike. This is their, They are actually meeting Mike for the first time through this. Like, yeah, I, guess. I, I assume, like, it was kind of like a they put out a notice that they needed somebody who had sound um, – background or or access to sound equipment in order to be part of the production and he probably responded to it yeah and now with the uh what what is it the high eight or the 16 which, which is the one that needed separate audio uh the the 16 millimeter yes mike is constantly carrying with him a digital audio tape the dac yeah he's got a big dac <laughs> dat dat sorry I thought it was digital audio because oh all right. digi- digi- digital, digital audio, audio tape. tape a big dat yeah yep and who dat? Who dat? Mike dat. Mike dat. <laughs> well, that also makes it interesting of what they do in um, the ending where he didn't bring that with him. No. So the only audio you hear is from... The onboard microphone of the Hi8 camera. Of the Hi8, and Mike is the one carrying that. So as Heather is rushing down at the ending, mm. we're hearing her screaming as if she's you know on another floor. And I think that kind of makes it a little more eerier. Yeah. And like that, and you even question that when we were like watching, like why does he sound so like fifty feet away? And I'm like, oh, because she's not because the she's being picked up by the other by Mike's camera, which is now fucking immobilized in the basement. Yeah, yeah. and and so they immediately begin their kind of documentary, like they're asking questions of certain locals, but even before they get the burger, so like, do you know of the story of Blair Witch? And some people are like, yeah, I kind of know it, and they're all different stories that people like. It's kind of like how urban legends are born. Like, all right, where did you hear this? And why why is it so important to you? Yada yada yada. Yeah, they film in in um, a graveyard in Burkittsville. Right. Uh, that's where. Th- that's pretty much like really the only place they really shot in Burkittsville, and along with the establishing shot of the sign. Well, no, no, that's not, that's not what I mean. That's pretty much the only like documentary part of this that we really see. Everything else is like raw B roll. You know. Yes. Everything else looks. This is the only thing that looks like it would be a, a, official. You know, like like like. Of her original project. I kind of gather if this project were real and if it were actually worked out as the way it was, we'd have a lot of voiceover. We'd have a lot of ADR. But this is the only part, really, that they film and that they show in the movie that looks like it's part of an actual documentary. Right, because she's doing she's doing like a, presentation, a, two, a, a yeah. two-camera presentation of it, of being an on-air talent right there while getting B-roll footage of the cemetery and it's so funny that like the town of Burkersville had to keep replacing the sign the sign itself because it kept getting stolen by people after the success of the movie <laughs> well the actual house was uh torn down because of people fucking with it too much because yeah, they realized where it was and then uh, the, the town was like all right we're going to demolish it because people kept taking parts of the foundation away and she notices in the cemetery that there's a lot of children there who who died at a young age 
Right. And I guess that, that just is a sign of the times of like the infant uh, mortality rate was much higher uh, hundreds of years ago, especially in America right there. Yeah. So they, they're talking to people around the town. Now we get a very, very loose um, recount ex- of what re- the recount was. of these things. They talk more about Rustin Parr than they do Ellie Kedward. And I don't even think they say the name Rustin Parr. I think it's the Mr. Parr. Yeah. But they go into more his murders than everything else, you know? Which makes sense because that's far more recent because it's 50 years versus um, 200 years at that point. And so that makes sense, like that, that kind of thing. I'm sure. I'm sure that the people in Wisconsin who deal with that, Ed, like who live in the same town that Ed Gein was from, that, that they probably still have stories about Ed Gein being uh, the the town uh, weirdo there. Yeah, and um, what's interesting is that the, the video games that were released in 2000 delve into this more, and they're actually named it. Like the first one, I believe, is uh, Rustin Parr. The second one, Ellie Kedward. Because th- there was a series of three games, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. They were at least kind of Resident Evil style. But those really went into the mythology much more than the movie does. Mm. That's why it's kind of, w- when we start, look like, if you were to watch just this and then Blair Witch 2, you might be confused. Because there's a lot of the mythology that really isn't delved into very deep. There was a lot of world building done, but it was something that's not really explored to that extent of, yeah. in the movies. I mean, it's kind of like the Mad Max series. Like, there's so much world building built into those movies, but... It's piecemeal throughout those movies. I feel like all we really get is that there was a Blair Witch and that at some point years ago, some guy named Mr. Parr was influenced to kill children. Yeah. That's really all we get. And there's other strange occurrences that have happened, like on Coffin Rock and everything, and the the town of Blair itself. Now, as the setup for the ending, they do explain that when Rustin Parr killed the kids, you know, he'd take them down in twos, make one stay in the corner while he killed the other one, then killed them. Yeah, and they they would have to listen to what was going on and they would not be able to turn around and see what's happening. They had to face the wall for it. Yeah. And it is, that's just an unnerving thing to imagine. Like, you know, you just got to like listen to what's going to happen to your friend and then you're going to have to deal with that yourself. Uh, it is, but at the same time as a kid, wouldn't you think like, fuck this, I'm going to run, run away. I know, I know. Wouldn't it make you think run? And if he's got multiple children up there, wouldn't you? Unless he, he's got to be armed or he's got them uh, incapacitated some way. Or he's got the uh, place tied up, closed off, barricaded off, yeah. something like that, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a concept that's not really delved into that much in the movie. Like, it might be explored in the either the video games or the YA novels that were kind of tied into it as well. But what I like about this part is that, this real opening, is that they really do... They really do go into it, and it has a very small town, you know, your legend. Like, everyone has their fucking legend. There's the fucking, you know, we, we have right by my house the old Sweet Hollow Road. Yeah. That people say one of the overpasses, if you stop your car, it'll, it'll start rolling. Yes, because it'll be pushed by the pushed spirits Pushed by the, spi- the spirits of the demon of the ghost, you know. Have you done that? Yeah, and it didn't work. Okay. Well, actually, I think we had to keep going because someone was coming behind us. Ah, okay. But, yeah, so... And along the way, they they do run into an old older woman who is reportedly a kind of an expert. Mary Brown, I believe her name yeah, is. Yeah, and she's an expert on the Blair Witch, and tell and tells about the experience that she had that she had a legitimate in person experience with it, or 
a version of her where she was like the Blair Witch was covering hair and like she just like was hairy and she had, but she had a shawl on and she was hairy from head to toe even like her legs and everything. Are you sure that wasn't Bigfoot. I, I, I it sounds like she. Sure that wasn't suburban Sasquatch. Uh, oh, you had to invoke that one. You had to invoke suburban uh, suburban Sasquatch right there. <laughs> but that's the funny part. Like this person that you're interviewing is kind of like some kooky old person. Yeah, she does. Set, Lives she, in a trailer. Right, and like, not that like there's anything wrong with living in trailers or anything, but it's like, it is, it is kind of curious of the fact that like they they do want to um, set up to be kind of the town kooky person. It's like, it's like dealing with an, a, a member of the Adams family or somehow in order to uh, try and get their information from her, which is kind of curious because the, she does delve into certain information happened. Like what she says does pay off in a certain regard, but. Since it's surrounded by so many things that are weird about her, nobody really takes it any seriously. Even, like, they joke about it later on. Yeah. And so after a day of kind of filming and they deal with, like, all right, that was day one. We got some good stuff done, and we're going to celebrate a little by... Uh, they go fart around a hotel pretty much the last night before they decide to go out and expedition. Right. They're drinking like crazy. Heather wishes she had some weed. They're going to do an equipment check, you know. In the words of Beyonce, I've been drinking, I've been drinking, and so including scotch, which apparently Heather's not a fan of. No, she'd rather have fucking weed. Yeah. And so like, okay, and they're fine with that, and then the, by the following day, Josh is hurting. He's he's pretty he's hungover. Um, from what Mike seems like to be in a, a lot um, better shape, and then they head on out to the woods itself. Yep, they leave the car behind. They start going through the woods, and right as they're getting to, they come by a creek, and there's these old, two, these two old rednecks fishing. Yeah, and they they ask like, "Hey, do you want to be part of this documentary?" I'm like, "Ah, sure, why not?" And then they start telling the story of what what happened at Coffin Rock with the murder and the five search party members. What I find funny is that these guys like they're probably more. Um, I think that. I would think that they are actors more than local yokels, but if they are actors, they're definitely hamming it up actors. Yeah. They're definitely like your They're leaning type. into it. Yeah, they're like just giving each other shit. Yeah, because they're not really fishing right here. Like, they're just like they're they're using it as business to pretend like they're fishing. They're, like, they're, not, they're trying to cast up, but it's not like a real sincere cast off or anything. And the fact that they're back to back, like, wouldn't you worry about like hooking the person behind you? Oh, that just like, makes for more comedy. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> Didn't that happen in uh, There's Something About Mary? Yes. When, uh, who was it? When, when, was it the character Warren cast it and he hooked fucking... Matt Dillon's character? Matt Dillon by the lip. I think so. And she had to pull it out. Oh, jeez. And so they tell the story about, like, the, the five members who were um, disemboweled and tied from, from hand to foot to each other in the shape of a pentagram. And it is how grisly it was and how the older gentleman believes it and the, um... The younger man who's who's like ah, it's just a bunch of horse shit, kind of. He's, <laughs> he's he's very dismissive of the the legend. He's probably been drinking too. Now the thing is, like, I hate to say, it, but in our in our previous viewing of this, I kind of like was forgetting this part a little and the amount of detail that was into it because it really was rambling rednecks. Yeah, I kind of feel like a little bit of that information wasn't doled out the best, and that may just be the consequence of um. The documentary nature of it, mm-hmm. when you have these people just improving, they tend to fucking babble a bit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the information I really didn't really didn't stick with me in this beginning part. I'm, I'm, there's got to be a band out there called Rambling Rednecks. Rambling Rednecks. Yeah. Yeehaw! <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they get there. They finally park where they're going to do. They grab all their shit. It and just they, leaves the car on the side of the road. It's so odd. 
<laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, don't you think they'll be like, get a ticket or towed or something? Oh, maybe that's why they fucking got lost because they couldn't find the fucking car because <laughs> it got towed. <laughs> like they saw the road, like this isn't the road. Yeah. <laughs> and so they head on out into the, the exp- woods. The expedition begins. Okay, I'll stop the Lord of the Rings music. Thank you. <laughs> and so they start doing, they continue their, uh, in their efforts in their documentary where. They arrive at Coffin Rock. Yes. And, with, and then uh, Heather reads a passage from her book of research that, uh, about the history of Coffin Rock. And we get all this 16 millimeter footage of the, the rock itself and the lore about it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another thing that was kind of documentary style filmed, but it didn't really. F- feel it as much because she's actually she's reading a passage she's not like not really narrating, narrating too much it. so i assume that 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 was just going to be used for they probably just end up using the audio for that Get a bit of voiceover here yeah. yeah but they just shot just in case they, if they needed they could have that and use that in the editing process yeah and just, and just describing how like you know the fucking ends of their hands were bloodied fucking intestines were out and they're like indecisible indecisible writing was carved into each of their faces and so like it was a grisly scene to be had, mm-hmm. and it is, it is it's even creepier that by the time they, pe- more people will come down to check that out to see what happened. Vultures were there, but no sign of the bodies. Yeah. But you could still smell the stench of death. Uh, so, <laughs> nothing. Not a fucking thing. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. No Dallas. So yeah, uh, Blair. Well, I was referencing more uh, aliens. Yes, or more alien. Alien, yeah. Found this when they found the flamethrower. Nothing. Dallas. Nothing. No blood. Um, Which I I did see that again on the big screen for Fathom Events uh, for the 40th anniversary done by TCM. Oh yeah. It was curious to see it in all the correct colors throughout versus the 35 millimeter print that we saw. Um, We we have seen it in 35, but unfortunately, it wasn't a very good. Version in a very good condition. And so night one, they set up camp and they're like, "Hey, we, we, uh, we, we saw a coffin rock. We're gonna explore more to see more of the Blair Witch." And it started raining pretty hard. Yeah, but everything seems to be fine right now. Uh, The thing is, when they wake up the next morning, they talk about Josh talks about hearing noises out there, like two different sets of noises. Yeah, how one of them could have been an owl, but the other was like some weird cackling. Yeah, he heard some kind of voice was going on out there in the woods. But Mike and Heather are not convinced at this point. No. Uh, Heather is in possession of a map and a compass, and so that's how they were able to get around the woods. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, everything seems to be fine, but, like, Mike is not too keen to be on camera. He feels very uncomfortable whenever Heather turns the camera on him. Well, what's interesting is that uh, on the second day, they start to kind of get think that they're getting lost. And yeah. Mike is getting a little fucking irritable. Yes. Like, it's it already, we're like maybe 15 minutes in, and like the tension between the three of them have already started. But um, Heather's so self assured in her beliefs of where the, what they're doing right now is the right thing to do. And it's so funny because she would go on to do an interview saying that she. Te- she based her performance on a director she dealt with of like trying to like no everything's fine everything's going under control. to shit just trying to keep it together <laughs> everything's fine everything's under control here we're all fine here but the thing too is that she's really uh, in a lot of instances that we will also continue to see she's really the one pushing the guys to continue moving on yeah the one telling them you know like let's go this way oh there's a shortcut here she's that person you know yeah 
She she never admit that she's wrong. At least not earlier on that she won't admit that she's wrong in any way. That it's all part of the plan, and it's got like a weird like filmmaker madness here. Like I like I I will do anything to make sure my art is up on the screen. Yeah, but as this wears on, you could tell that the guys are really starting to get a little irritated, and yes. that they're, they're they're not so sure of her. You know, they take out the map. They're fucking arguing about it, but they're not. You know, they have they're starting to get a little pissy with each other right because they they were expecting a trail yeah and it's they're just literally meandering through the woods here and just like avoiding trees and everything it's not like a sort of not a paved path but a a walkable path and that's that's one of the things i love about this movie is there really is a, a is a pacing and a progression of just them fucking happy spirits to like irritated to pissed off to you motherfuckers, I'm going to fucking kill you, too. Oh, yeah, like, like, too yeah. frightened for their goddamn lives. To they're, like, they're the scared end. of their minds. They don't know yeah. what the hell they're going to do. Yeah. but and there, so, there is a clear, clear fucking breakdown of them. And I think that's what made that's what made the narrative of the found footage that much better than any of the documentary-style stuff they uh, shot. Because it was not as succinct. They didn't have, like, a driving force narrative going through it. I would say so, yeah. Okay. Because well, here's the thing though the the whole premise of the plot is this is their found footage. This is what happened to these people. Yes. Not this is a documentary about the Blair Witch and some people go missing. Right. This is the documentary stuff. You know that and and that's where the I feel the believe as I said earlier the believability in the editing of you had 20 hours worth of fo- found footage. I'm mm-hmm. saying that I'm saying this in kayfabe. Yeah. As they say in wrestling, you have 20 hours of found footage. This is the hour and a half that really is the meat and potatoes that cuts to it that really shows what happened. You have the stuff in the beginning setting up why they were out there, and then you have the rest of it that shows the clear progression of things going wrong. Right. Things and, going dreadfully fucking wrong. And it immediately starts to establish the kind of relationships they have is that Mike is the far more antagonistic uh, person initially. He's the one losing his cool. And easier. Josh is the one who has to play mediator because of... Heather being so like no like stop whining we're 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 doing the right thing and Josh is like just like everybody be cool right, we're gonna, and we do we're, end up with a bit of a role reversal by the by the end of it yes and so they cross the river in a very precarious way because <laughs> they they have to go one at a time and literally crawl across it because they have huge backpacks of supplies in there these on, two like downed trees that are like crossing over each other <laughs> and they're just like oh my god like how are we gonna get everything across because. Because along with the backpacks, Mike is also carrying the DAT um, recorder. It's a, like a sling across his, ch- his his kind of like groin area, like a like a fanny pack. Yeah. And they, they have to make sure not to drop anything in there. And it's so curious because the F they, they say fuck a lot in this movie, and it was like registered as like one of the highest uses of the word fuck in a movie. But like per uh, permit, there is a Wikipedia page like I've movie, seen it. Yeah, and, and it doesn't the, the documentary on the word fuck? Yeah, it's like 800 times or something like that. But that's the funny part, though. You see, like, you see, like, the chart of, like, movies and how they all kind of progress in a very diagonal manner going up. And then the top one, fuck, just go, just completely runs away with it. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it's using the word itself. I mean, and it's like, that's like 90 minutes, and somehow it's used nearly 800 times. Yeah. I mean, by the end of it, like, the word, I bet you during the editing of it, like, the word has literally no meaning to anybody at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, they start to come across. Um, a part where they find several piles of rocks. 
Seven of them. Seven of them. Exactly. And like, and something that, that the older like, lady. Like they're stacked in a very specific like way. Like it is very, in a very particular way. Like they're placed here. Then it's not like happenstance these rocks ended up here. Yeah. And they were recounted like, hey, wasn't that like that old lady Mary talking about this? That they were piles of rocks who represent the dead people and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they end up counting that it is seven, uh, uh, piles of it representing and, the seven children Rustin Park killed. Right, and it, it's like okay, that that's a little weird, but okay. Uh, so there seems to be more evidence. Like, hey, maybe there is something to this, and maybe there actually it was a Blair Witch and everything. But like, nothing to be really uh, too worried about. And by second night, they're having they're eating dinner on by a fire, and they're discussing the. The proper terms of uh, the Gilligan's Island, right there. Now, I believe, did they set up camp where those seven ro- piles were? I believe nearby. Nearby, yeah, yeah. because they they go back at night to see if there's anything else going on with them. However, while they're shooting there, they're shooting the video, they're shooting uh, sixteen, and they're rolling sound. Uh, Heather knocks one of the piles over, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where the first real transgression occurs. Now that's. That's the funny part. Do you think that that's why, like, the fucking uh, Blair Witch targeted them? Because they disturbed a burial ground? Maybe. Well, was it really a burial ground? Oh, I mean, like, I guess I do not know. I mean, that's one of the questions. Like, this movie is more concerned with asking questions than giving answers. It is, but it doesn't ask questions in a way. I feel like it doesn't ask too many questions. It doesn't ask too many questions. It leaves just enough ambiguous, like, what, what? Made the witch target them. You know, was it was it just the simple fact that they were they in, the in her woods? domain, and that's why she or was them? it tampering with you know the, those like little monoliths or whatever? Yeah, those little markers. Because then, how would fucking redneck Mc, McFuckwad find their footage? Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe it's why because the leverage she didn't knock any of that shit over. So that's maybe why I would expect go... anyone going. Yeah, but he's fucking around in, in the house where people were killed. Yeah, so it's like isn't that kind of a dis- disturbing? <laughs> Disturbing the, the it is disturbing, that's for sure. So they head back to their camp, but however, they're woken up because something is making noise out in the darkness. They're hearing the sound of like loud crack. It almost sounds like whipping something against the cell at surface yeah. at times. But loud, like branches cracking. Now, this was done by most of the people on the production. Right. So they would be out in the distance, out far out of eyesight, and it would be cracking uh, sticks just to really mess with them, and Mike will not want to. Does not want to get out of the tent. He is <laughs> severely freaked out by this point. Well, they even call him out and say, "You're fucking scared." Oh, I don't hear anything anymore. And, and like, do you blame him? I I don't. I, I, I wouldn't want to get out of there at all. Yeah. And so they're like going out there trying to investigate it, and they're like, "All right, man, I guess nothing happened after that." And so the following day, it is raining. They dismiss it. I mean, it could be dismissed as like animals in the fucking woods, right. you know? Because you're they're in their territory, so it makes sense for nocturnal animals out there. So that's like if you stand outside your house in the darkness, you stand still enough, you'll start to see animals start coming out and seeing what's going on. Like you'll see like cats or possums or raccoons or what have you coming out of there. Which reminds me, I remember when I was going to throw out garbage once, and I ran to a possum that was eating our garbage and hissed at me when I got to the garbage can. Oh, shit. So I knocked it over, and he scurried away. I just let him. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. But, yeah, so the, now the next morning it's raining. Yeah. Heather thinks that they're on the right shortcut. They're sitting there, they don't remember. And even she's starting to say while well, on camera, 
fucking like I think they're mad at me. I think they don't want to talk to me. But she eventually admits it. Like we're going a different way now to get back to the car, and they're starting to get fucking mad. Yeah, because her rationale is like, hey, we had to go a certain route, which is the fastest way to get to Coffin Rock and wherever the kind of the burial ground is. Now we're making we're we're doing a beeline across the woods, which is a different route to get back to the car. Hopefully, so they would get back to the car faster. And so there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. So they did a map track, and she thinks they're still on, cha- on trail. They they're they're fucking exhausted. They're fucking pissed off. They, I don't know what they want at this point. Do they want to stop? Do they want to try a different way? They just want like something to. Res- they want to answers. Deliver, they want yeah, deliver results here because they want like uh, some sort of progression. Other than they don't want to hope they're, they're going further and further into the woods away from the car. But Heather is in in. She's in over her head at this point. She's right, trying to she hold it all she, together. She does not admit it yet. No. And fucking, she wants to camp. She pretty much almost kind of admits that she doesn't know what she's doing because she wants to camp. Yeah, and then they don't want that, and especially Mike, because he's really freaked out at this point. Because if we're that far out into the woods and there's people out here fucking with us, we don't want to mess with them. And it's like, and she's like, I don't think people out here are fucking with us. Yeah, but I don't want to mess with that. Whatever was making the noise last night. And the both of them start getting mad at her for for filming this shit. Right, and because it's getting kind of obnoxious at this point, and they just want to. Not want to make the documentary, they just want to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. And insisting they want to see the map. Well, that's, yeah, and then Mike yells out, fucking, in a moment that made us LOL, Mike yells out in the middle of the words, fucking bullshit! And oh, the, like the response, really lose the, shit. the response is, Mike, chill. <laughs> and, and Tim just looks at me as if, like, wow, how many times have we been there before? Right, because there are times that both of us have lofts our shit collectively, and... Whether it be over a piece of technology or something like that. And I'd say, well, that's what, that's what I responded with. Like, it's as if this movie's about me trying to make a computer work. And yeah. you started laughing. Because I have been in your presence where you've broken many a things. Have you? Um, did I see you? No. You know what? I thought I was there when... I think you like you punched one of your tablets really hard. You didn't break it, but you did take a swipe at it. Yeah, I, I'm, that's why I, it's kind of why I still stick with cheap technology, because... I just have so many fucking problems with modern technology. Like, there's just so much fucking bullshit. I feel like everything is just rushed out these days. Stuff is, I don't want to say cheaply made, because, like, one of my things I hate nowadays, I have a Fire HD 10 tablet. Uh I hate the fucking thing. (laughs) And it's not because it's, you know, bad specs. It's all from a fucking software point of view. Right. I'm not a big fan of fucking Android, because I've always owned, you know, like... Anywhere from, like, mid-range, like, I don't buy low-range fucking Android phones anymore. I buy, you know, mid-range stuff that works for a little while, but there's just a constant barrage of fucking updates and the feeling like it never, like, there's so many bugs, so many glitches, something wigs out, I hate touchscreens, I hate Mm -hmm. all that shit, but now you add Amazon's own version of it with Fire OS, which is based off an older standard of Android. I think I made the, I think I made the joke the other week that had you laughing. It's like, it's like a a good, it's like a good in-shape college athlete who is both a quadriplegic and has fucking the palsy. Yes. And Bill's palsy. <laughs> yeah. Or, or uh, what's what's that other one? But it's like someone that has who's their fucking brain is fried and their and their body's like destroyed. Oh, um, what Muhammad Ali has and Parkinson's. Uh, Parkinson's yes. Yeah. You know, it's like because it's it's not bad specs, but it is hindered by garbage software. Right. And, and Windows 10, I believe, I'm convinced, is, is truly a virus in disguise. Yes. You you made it abundantly clear you're, dis, you're disdained for Windows 10. Yes. But anyway, 
the fall, that night is night three at this point, and the snapping continues to happen around them, and along with like, some other weird noises of maybe children laughing out. And there. it ain't just the snapping of them getting pissed off. No, it, like there's shit going on outside. Something's going know? on in the outskirts. It, it is curious that the the 16 millimeter camera could see better than a digital camera, but I mean, I guess that's just a sign of the times. And like you jump to now, certain digital cameras they could practically see in the dark. And that's why I've not seen the new Blair Witch, and I know they use a lot of digital technology, including drones. And I'm like, um, <laughs> how do you continue that to be scary? And because you're so uh, yeah, there's the isolation factor of a handheld camera is essentially your fucking first person view, so that kind of really takes the audience into you know the perspective of them. If you got a drone, you're seen above everything. It, you're not as isolated. I, anymore. I think the drone is taken out by something earlier on in the movie because oh, okay. it had to be. Otherwise, it's like, like oh, let me just look up and see what's going on. And what like a Blair Witch jumps out of the trees and try to take out the drone. I don't know. Blah. But uh, yeah, fucking Heather's Heather's still filming. There's the sound of fucking twigs snapping. She demands Mike get the the fucking dat turned on. Yeah, and, and, but like, it is. And they try and spook it, and they're like they're yelling to, hey, hey, get the hell away from it. But it's not. It does not care. It's yeah. clearly getting closer. It sounds like footsteps. It sounds like a person's footsteps. Like they're, they're like literally like just past their camp, just past their eyesight, that there's somebody messing with them at and this what's, point. What's weird is when they show the 60 millimeter footage, the way, I guess, kind of um, the way like the gradient of the light goes from like lit parts to like dark. It's a really heavy fall. And as, and as they panned very quickly it's almost like the illusion that you see something going by right it's very it, it really just plays with your head yeah because you're sitting there you're looking like like anyone in the audience i've sat here many a times like when we get to the 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 teeth part later yeah many a times we would sit there my stepbrother and i would pause the fucking video yeah and just try to look and say what the fuck is all that? and because it's shot in such low quality uh, you know on purpose it's like what it, it, it's your classic if we don't show it, your mind will make it up, and right. whatever your mind will make up will be worse. Yeah, because they they did kind of do, they went with the Jaws principle, mm-hmm. where it's scary what you don't see. Yeah, and that's why that's so. That's why this movie is so effective in that way. And so by the following day, they wake now, up. They wake up, and there's now three piles of rocks around the camp. Around the camp, and. <laughs> you know, they're arguing with each other about, were these here yesterday? I didn't see it. You know, like, how could they coincidentally set up their tent right in between three piles of rocks? Yeah, and not knock them over in any way. And they're just like, they just want to get the hell out of there. And and so Josh and Mike are really done with Heather's shit. And and so let's, let's, we're going to get out of here. We're going to return all the equipment that we rented, and everything's yep. going to be fine. And that's what that's what they believe, and they just want to get the fuck out of there at this point. And they want to continue heading south, and that they can read the map. But they have a serious problem: the fucking map is missing. And like now, Josh has the camera here, and he's like, he's he's confronting Heather here. Like, are you sure you do not have the map? And he's like, oh, I've kept the map in the same place the entire time, and it's not there. So the the map is missing. Everybody's blaming each other of who has the map. Heather yeah. says she's always had the map, and they establish another. Uh, there's amazing setups and payoffs in this of how she, in the previous day, when it's raining and they're pissed and they're doing a map check, how they keep both of them. I think it's Josh mostly who keeps saying, give me the map. I want to see that. She will not hand it over. Yeah. So we know she, that Heather fucking has it. Yeah. 
and they they had seen it yesterday, and now somehow it has just disappeared upon them. Yep. It's really adding to the value of the fact that, like, is something supernatural going on? Is there something out there fucking with them? They're making their map, map disappear and rocks just appearing out of nowhere? Yeah, so ultimately they decide to, you know, go in their normal direction that they have been going. Right, they were going to follow the creek and keep heading south. That's the direction they're going to head on, and that everything's going to be fine. And despite after hours and hours of trekking, they they sit down trying to relax. And like Josh, they're doing a little like, stir crazy almost. Josh is just lounging in the woods under a tree. Sam, just gonna stay here. You find him, send him to find the tree with the vines. That's where you'll find me. Yeah, and he's like, everything's going to be cool. And like I'm, like. They've tried to calm down after, like, they, that's the one thing about the movie, like, we have conflict, like, okay, like, conflict, release, conflict, release, because they realize, like, if they keep snapping each other the entire time, they're just going to end up killing each other. But it keeps growing to the point where they can't, you know, put Re- it away. No, they can't just, like, There's no bear- more releases. No, and the releases get shorter and shorter, like you said, and... How it just like you know, like we just don't want to blame each other, but it's kind of hard not to because like despite all their best efforts, they just can't go any further because, or they they seemingly can't go any further because like we don't know if there's actually doing any progression. They could just be going in circles at this point. They don't know. Well, I find funny is Heather keeps saying how like it's impossible to get lost because this is America, <laughs> and how the area is not that big, you know, and like how. It's impossible to get lost and stay lost because, yeah. like, at that point, like, so much of the country has been, co- country has been covered. There's no way to stay lost that, that stay way. Stay truly lost, yeah. I mean, Josh is now accepting that their equipment's not going to be back. Their job is not going to – he's not going to make it to work. People are going to go looking for them, you know? Right. He brings up the fact that, like, if I'm not back by a certain time, my girlfriend's not going to know it's not going to be like, hey, I was supposed to be back by a certain time and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And – Heather's mother is not going to know that she's uh, back in time, say that Mike's mother, and that they will start looking for him. And you know, if all else fails, we just have to wait until people start looking for them. If they, people start looking for them, they will be found because this is America, damn it. Yep. Well, they try crossing the creek. Josh goes first, and all his fucking shit gets wet. Yeah. His fucking shoes, his pants. So Mike starts laughing, and they're almost shocked that this guy's laughing his ass off. Like, is, has he finally gone stir-crazy? Does he need, his, he not does he need his rubber room at the puzzle factory? <laughs> because he has not laughed at anything in the past few days because he's been so wrought with tension yep. that uh, anything resembling a sense of humor has been, like, beyond him. And it's confounded by the fact that now, when Heather was the last one to cross, she, she gets, gets she gets she probably gets it the worst. Yeah, her boots and pants get soaked the most, and that Josh and Mike are so smit with themselves because they're like, ah, you're you're wet, and you have to be uncomfortable for the rest of the trip. She's still calling them out though on the the fucking shit with the map. Yeah, because she thinks like maybe they just took it from her, and then now they're just messing like, with this her. This is a fucking practical joke. Which I imagine that was the kind of thing that like. The filmmakers said, like, hey, accuse them of having the map. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that, like, if we weren't laughing, we'd be crying right now. They that's why they're they're trying to find the humor in the situation. Yeah. And unfortunately, we kind of find out the truth of what happened to the map. Mike, in his eternal laughing, says he kicked the fucking map into the creek the day before yeah. because it's useless. Right, and he's like, you know what, like, there's no point to it, so, like, we're probably better off without it, so he thought it was the bright idea to kick the map into the creek itself. However, this revelation does not go over so well. But it's weird, because when she asked him, do you have the map, he's like, he's, like, defending himself. He can say, if, 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 
I don't know. Maybe it's a sign of him going nuts, but I kind of found this scene weird because it's like, if when she first asked him, are you sure you guys don't have the fucking map? He would just say, ah, I kicked that fucking thing in the creek. It's goddamn useless. Or start laughing or something. I bet you, you know? that was one of his notes for the day was to hold on, don't reveal that until the best moment possible. And that's why hours go by before he finally reveals the fact that, yeah, that he had kicked that into the creek, despite the questions of earlier what happened to the map. Yep, but now that now everybody's ready to fucking fight. Everybody is ready to fucking, like, like Josh is pushing Mike around. Oh, yeah, they're, they're screaming like, at each they're other. They're calling each other assholes and everything, and they're ready to throw fisticuffs at each other. Yeah, it's... And that, oh. Like they're they're ready to, they're ready to go. This is this I'd say this is the real turning point where like they are fearing for their fucking lives. Right, because Heather accuses them of the fact like if we die out here, it is your fault because you got rid of the map. You may not you may have thought the map was useless, but I could read the map. I knew what the hell was going on. And what did you do? You you kicked it into the fucking creek. Yep. And he, Heather wants the compass back from him, so. Yeah, but, but she's saying that, like, you betrayed us to get out of the woods, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you betrayed Shiva, in you the words of Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Jones, I expect... Oh, no, that's... No, Mr. Bond, I expect you, you to die. die. Thank you, Gil. Oh, to the poison you just drank. <laughs> that's what I'm I, thinking. Antidote. Okay. Uh, and Josh just wants, like, hey, can you admit the fact that you have fucked up and you have realized, like, we are... We are screwed out here. Can you say that, like, you're not in control of the situation whatsoever? But that that Mike and Josh are kind of at a loss at one point. That they just don't know what the hell they're going to do. What, how the hell they're going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. And but like Heather's just trying to. I'm in control of the situation. Is my is my production? They, they had a plan to, to to keep going south, but for some reason they have they have stopped. Mike and Josh have just fucking stopped. They are. I mean, if you were in their, in, in their shoes, like you've been going the same direction for the past couple of days with no results, would you still keep going that way? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it's smart to follow unless the creek. You could, unless you could prove to me that the whole time before we were going north and now to get back we're going south. Yeah. But I, 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 if I would keep the creek in eyesight because there's got to be something settled next to a uh, uh, body of water somewhere. So yeah. I think that's the best way to find civilization. It's going to lead somewhere. But if they don't find civilization, they find stick figures. Yeah. They're, as going through the woods, they find a whole bunch of these little, like, it's the famous stick man symbol that the yeah. Blair Witch is based on. It's, you know, that, that, like, all the marketing and stuff is based on. They find tons of these things, like, tons of, like, sticks tied into little... Stickman figures hanging from trees. There's a giant one that they, uh, the producers named Chewbacca. Chewbacca, because it's got a lot of yarn on and everything. It, and, it looks like it's got a lot of moss. Yeah, moss. Like it's really, go. really big, and there's like it's like covered in moss. But Heather, she's trying to grab every piece of equipment to shoot this. She she wants to cover all the stuff. She's still she's back in documentary mode when the two of them are just in fucking survival mode. Yeah, they've come to the conclusion that something's fucking after their asses. Yeah, like this is not this is not a normal thing to it's see. It's not a joke anymore. No, and like he Mike says, like I don't think rednecks are gonna be that creative enough to build this shit out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly, and, and you know they're trying to tell her, let's fucking go, let's fucking go, but she she. She she wants to keep getting everything on video, and it, it, it it's like it's like when you're in a toy store, you tell the kid we're going, we're going. Okay, I'll be right there. No, I'm just coming. No, but yeah. they're still fucking around. Or or like when your kid's playing like a video game or something. It's like yeah. we gotta go. We go. Okay, I'm coming. Okay, I'll be right there. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm leaving right now. Yeah, I'm turning it off. But they're still clearly oh, clearly playing it, playing and engrossed in it. Mike he's screaming up and down the woods for fucking help. Yeah, 
Josh has just got his head down. Like, they are just defeated right now. I, I mean, like, I can't imagine what it would be like that just to be. Oh, fuck that. I'd have brought a pistol with me and I'd have used it on myself. <laughs> fuck that noise. Fuck that noise. I mean, I I haven't gone camping in a very long time. But usually when I do, I know it's around, like, actual trails and campsites. Yeah. Where there's at least other people within, you know, like, a football field's distance. Right. I <laughs> Don't don't get me wrong. I like getting the, the area, the camping area that's very secluded. But at the same time, I want to at least know that that fucking if I look if I squint hard enough, I know there's normal people over there, or there's right. a lodge over there, or there's yeah. bathrooms over there. You know, this is a bad place to live. You got to drop acid and it yep. has to be followed by shit in the woods. Yep. So they try to go to sleep. They they set up another tent because they know they're fucking stuck. Yeah, but they say like, hey, you know what? Let's not put up a fire so they won't be able to find us. Yep. So we'll just be quiet. We'll go to bed. Everything's going to be okay. Now, this is the part I really feel that freaks... I'd say this is one of the most creepiest parts that we get up to right oh, now. Oh, for sure. One of the scariest. It's, it's completely dark in the middle of the night. All you hear is the sound in the background of, like, voices whispering, children giggling. It's like... And and it comes it comes in and out, too, yeah. so much. Like, on and off, it comes out at different volumes, louder, softer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they turn on the light on the high eight, I yeah. guess that is. Yeah. And all you hear is the sound of like gasping and, and freaking out. They are like shuffling to get their fucking stuff yeah, like put back like on. They're trying to put their shoes and pants on at this point because they had been sleeping in the sleeping bags. And it, it really hits a, a high point because the tent itself starts to shake. They, yeah. There's, there's, there's literally people's hands like dragging off the side of me and literally just rattling the tent trying to make it's, it's like scared. clawing at the tent. Yeah. Like, like there's this like clawing going off the tent. All you hear is that fabric you sound like shh. Like, like if you've ever been in a tent, you rub, rub your hands on the inside or the outside of a tent that you know that sound. Or you like, just stretch out your bed sheet and make that noise with your fingernails. Right. And it's like and it's like you don't see anything. It is pure noise. It is just your, your fear is based off the reaction of – Everybody in the tent right there because they're freaking the fuck out at this point. So that they get up and they they haul ass out. They oh, yeah. run like fucking hell. And they, they they all three of them just though they just tear ass out of there. And apparently Heather's in the lead. I think Mike's got the sixteen millimeter camera. And to their left, that uh, Heather sees something. And she starts. Oh my god! What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? That's that famous one. And. I guess it was Mike. He was supposed to turn the camera fast enough. They had to do this take, like, what, nine, nine times? Nine times. And they fucked it up. Mike was supposed to turn the camera, and we were supposed to see a figure running alongside them. It was yeah. – it, it, what it really was was one of the crew members running alongside them, covered head to toe in, like, gauze. Yeah. And, like, white long johns. Yeah, and, like, something over his head and everything. It was Like, be pantyhose like... over his head. Or right. Something. Like, a fucking bank robber who robbed the toilet paper factory. <laughs> <laughs> and – but, the fact but they that, fucked it up. Right. And because the reason why they didn't do it nine times is because the film on the 16 millimeter camera, the actual film going through the camera kept coming off the track. And so they had to open it up, put it back in the sprocket holes, make sure everything's running properly. Yeah. And the take they used, Mike didn't uh, pan over it up. So we don't know what the hell they just saw that's freaking Heather out to such a degree. Now, that's where I feel that, like, the big payoff at the very end, kind of the fact that we don't get that, any type of visual whatsoever – Kind of fails me because I thought that that there was very fucking effective. Right now, yeah, they're hearing, they're still hearing stuff. They're in the middle of the woods. It's dark. I would have been happier if we got a little something in that very ending shot, as opposed to here. Right, because you know this is all building towards the fucking end. This is yeah. all building towards when we get to the house. It builds 
like crazy, and we know that something's going to happen here. So I would have rather have gotten that payoff of actually seeing something then than here. So I kind of, I kind of, I kind of feel like it was one of those happy little accidents. <laughs> Thank but you, Bob Ross. They spend the whole fucking night just. They turn the lights of all the cameras off. They strand in the woods, and they go back to the camp. And by the time morning comes, they go back to the camp and the place is fucking trash. Yeah, it's been ransacked, but specifically one person's uh, possessions that has been tampered with the most is Josh's. Josh has got like this weird kind of slime all over his. Um, Slimer was there. Yeah, Slimer was there, or it's the it's the river of slime from Ghostbusters Two. We we got both Ghostbusters in there as a reference for you, <laughs> and Josh is freaking out because like. Why him? Why is my stuff the one that's been messed with the most rather than everybody else's? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why, sir. <laughs> but, yeah, now the fucking, like, now they're really f- fucking fighting with each other. Heather keeps fucking filming. Mike actually goes to, like, rip the fucking camera away from her. She yeah. bites him. They're screaming. He's screaming, turn that. Th-. And it's just so funny, the extremes that they like go to. Like a hard cut. You have Mike screaming, turn that thing off, to a hard cut of him holding his hand. And saying, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to bite you. <laughs> it's literally, and it's you made the t- joke. It's literally like in Happy Gilmore when he's yelling at his girlfriend over the intercom who's leaving him. And then he comes back to it and say, oh, I'm sorry, baby. Oh, I didn't, I mean, I just good to get the hell out of my life. Who needs you? Beat it. Leave me alone. I, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry baby. Once come on so, back uh, up. I just get so scared. I'll give you some of the little kissy kiss. <laughs> Happy uh, Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> licks the it's like that level of extremes. Turn that fucking thing off. I'm sorry, I bit you. Yeah. <laughs> and and so at one point they're all sitting there, and Mike's the one with the camera. And he's kind of he's turned it on Heather right now, and he's like, "Huh? So what's it like, huh? Is, is this how you kind of like deal with reality here? Because you see the objective, like uh, you have a, a barrier with the fact that it's through the viewfinder." He's being – that's the thing, though. He's not being the antagonistic one. Josh yeah. is the one that's really – Oh, like, Josh is the one. To, excuse me. Josh is the one that's starting to fucking lose it. Yeah. And, and, and Mike is actually being sympathetic and saying, you know, you know like, we got to take care of each other. There's no way we're going to take care of each other with the fucking camera in the face. And, and Mike is actually now – he now reasoning with her. He was about to fucking rip the camera out of her hand and probably beat her over the head with it. But now he's, like, really reasoning and saying, he, please turn the camera off. Which I, I imagine that's, like, one of the things after the filmmakers reviewed the dailies at the night. Like, okay – that Josh is the one that's been self-control. Like, let's let's flip that. Let's have Mike be the one in control, and Josh starting to really lose his shit. Out well, of now, the... now that we they've had this experience, and Josh's stuff has been the one that's fucked with and covered in you know fucking slime. Mm-hmm. The slimer was in the woods. <laughs> Disgusting blob. Well, I think he can hear you, Ray. He's <laughs> <laughs> ah! an ugly little spud, isn't he? <laughs> I think he can hear you, Ray. Coming December. 2019 podcast. Um, Wink, wink. uh, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so Heather's like, no, this is America, Darren. We will not get lost here. Nobody (laughs) can get lost and stay lost in America. We've destroyed most of our natural resources. (laughs) So Mike starts yelling out loud, um, America the Beautiful. Yeah. America, America, I like the George Carlin version. America, America, man sheds his waste on thee and hides the pines with billboard signs from yeah. sea to oily sea. And the next cut, both Josh and Mike are singing the, the Star Spangled Banner. Banner. <laughs> but their sing- festive singing turns to horror when they reach another part of the creek and they find the tree that they crossed from the beginning. Yeah. So they've been going around in circles. Yeah. Which, like... They got lost, and then they crossed the creek, right? See, I don't know, because they 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 cross a few 
times because there's, there's the there's, I think there's the log they had trouble getting crossed over. There's well, there's the one the the two trees that are crossed over each other. I think that this is the one where that they had trouble where he almost dropped the fucking dat. Yeah, but then there's the area of rocks that they had to walk over where they get their shoes all wet. And so they're just like, and Heather's just like, no, this is not, the, this is not the one we came across. It's not the one. And then she's like, fuck. And she's literally sobbing at this point because she's coming to the realization, like, oh my god, we are literally walking in circles. There's no way to get out we're of this in circles now. And we're fucking lost. So she finally comes to realize it's the same log, and the two of them are just fuck, fuck. And I can see where people would criticize this. Who would criticize this of a. Uh, of, and the uh, acting. Just, well, no, just being a bunch of people just yelling, screaming. At one point, he yells, fuck you, God. And I, just, I think back to when I got to see Book of Mormon on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And, and there's the, the, the number, Hasadiga Ibawai. Okay. Where when they when they reach the African village that they're doing their mission trip on, and they yeah. start singing, the the uh, natives start singing their festive song, Hasadiga Ibawai, Hasadiga Ibawai. And they, they, they start thinking, because basically the verses are talking about they mentioned some kind of misfortune that be, that befalls them, mm-hmm. but whatever. Hasadiga Ibawai. Mm-hmm. Describe something else horrible. Hasadiga Ibawai. So is there versus so, Hakuna well, Matata? Well, that's the thing. The two characters say, the two Mormon characters say, oh, that's kind of like Hakuna Matata, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. Well, what does Hasadiga Ibawai mean? Well, Ibawai means God. Oh, God. But Hasadiga means fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so then it makes, and then the two of them for the rest of the song have this mortified, like, <laughs> Look wide-eyed, pres- as these people are singing this festive song where the, where it basically means, oh, your misfortune happened to you. Fuck, fuck you, you, God. God. <laughs> and there was actually an ugly Christmas sweater that had Hasadiga Ibawai. <laughs> uh... So now we're at the point where the real, reversal of roles happens where Josh has the camera. He's filming Heather, who is just shot. She doesn't know what to do, where, how the hell they're going to get out of here. And, then- and he's being intentionally antagonistic. Yeah. Saying, Let's film some movies, you know? She's oh, saying, make some movies. You. I thought this was what we're supposed to do out here and everything, Heather. Why don't we do this, Heather? And now Mike is the one who, who's now... We're saying I can't listen to fighting. Yeah, like he's just like at this point, like he is, a, he is so overwrought with tension that he does not want them fighting because yeah. that's, the, that's the least productive thing they could be doing right now is snapping at each other. Yeah. And Josh even goes up to her and he's like, oh, let's, here's your, here's your scene. Oh, you're lost in the woods. What's your motivation? You know? You're lost in the fucking woods. That you lost the people in there. That they're probably going to die. That's your motivation, Heather. That's your fucking motivation. And she literally starts sobbing into like full-blown crying. You're lost in the woods and no one's here to help you. She's like trying to ignore him. There's a fucking witch that keeps leaving shit outside your door. There's no one here to help you. She, she left, left little, little trinkets. trinkets. You fucking took one of them. She ran after us. There's no one here to help you. And like Mike is just like Josh, quit it, man! Stop it! You're yep. you're you're, you're, you're she, making the situation worse, and literally makes Heather cry. She puts her hand over her face and just starts like sobbing. Oh, jeez! I mean, wow! Well, I mean, I mean he kind of has a point because she is the one that really pushed most of this shit. So this kind of is karma getting back at her. It is, but there is a time and a place right now. I think. That's Josh's point. She's still making movies. You know, it's all I have left is making movies. I feel like it's just going to be me one day. It's like, that's all I have left. As, as you're lost in the woods because some filming project went wrong and you're yeah. still filming everybody. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Uh, and someone shoves the camera up your ass and says, here you go. <laughs> it's uh, called colonoscopy, the movie. Uh, <laughs> it's called dry colonoscopy. Uh, and we don't even let you take the, the stuff that makes you empty out. Ouch. And so we decide to... They're forced to fucking camp again. Again. And they so, got no goddamn choice. It's getting colder out. Yeah. They're pretty much run out of food at this point, I believe. Uh-huh. 
And since all the shit was trash, I think they didn't even really run out of water as well. I think so at this point. Like, at least the characters have. Yeah. Well, and yes, the, that's what we have to reiterate as part of the plot the characters have. Obviously, the actors still get their food and water every night. I'd say by this point, they're probably getting much, much less food. Yeah. how angry they are at each other. Um, and they, they don't want to go to sleep because they don't know what the hell's going to happen to them if they fall asleep at this point. Yeah. Even, despite the fact they're in the supposed safety of a tent that they, they don't want to fall asleep. Yeah, Josh apologizes. And Mike, he starts talking about all the wonderful foods that they could be eating. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, you ever see Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Summer Vacation? Yes. Remember when Babs and Buster are still floating down the river? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Babs is dressed like a fucking uh, Venetian-like uh, boat gondola tour, gondola uh, tour guide. And yeah. she starts saying, Ville Parmesan, cream <laughs> fettuccine, ravioli. Please. Singing of all the thing, the foods that she'd yeah. rather have instead of it starving. It does be like, despite the fact like you had cheeseburgers here, I bet you want another cheeseburger right now if you had uh, an opportunity. Yeah. But the next morning, they wake up, and Josh is missing. Yeah. That Josh is gone. They're screaming for him. And, like, he is – and, like, Heather's, like, screaming at the top of her. Yeah, like, she's hurting herself. And, and like – You scream like you're Paul Bailoff from Exodus right there. Like – Bound in my blood! Uh, <laughs> Kick your friend in the head and have a ball. <laughs> uh, breathing in from behind and breathing in your face, somehow that works. Actually, out. that was Steve Souza, right? What? Toxic Waltz? Yeah, Toxic okay. Waltz, uh, Zetro. Tim is the bigger Exodus fan, but yeah. I still love them. I, I mean, I want to see him again. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Um, we did see them together with Testament. So yes, we did. Um, it was a wonderful show. Uh, like I gotta check their what their tour itinerary is. I need to see them live again. And so Josh is like now by down by the creek, and like his, all of his like his just his shits is gone. Yeah, all his belongings are gone too. Yeah, and so like maybe like maybe he just left in the middle of the night and he just went off on his own. We don't know. Or maybe he was taken. I mean, we don't like maybe that was just the payoff of the fact that, like his. Oh shit no, I'm wrong. With- all his shits here. Oh, excuse me. Oh, you're right, right, right. I, I I'm misremembering it now here that. That he's just disappearing. Can and, edit that out. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, that like, okay, do we take his stuff? Do what do we do now? Like, because if we want to keep moving, um, what do we do? Yeah. So they dis- they immediately det- not immediately, but they shortly after determine that they're gonna head east instead of south. <laughs> the the way they go was. East or west? Which wicked witch was worse? East or west? Uh, wicked witch to the west. So like the good witch is in the east. Like all right, I guess yeah. we'll go east. I mean that's like the best idea for for us right now. Yep. So the two of them travel together. I, pretty much nothing happens at this point. You know. Yeah. They decide to. They put up the tent. They, uh, you know, try to go sleep. But in the middle of the night, they are fucking. You know, disturbed by the sound of something. Right. And when you say in the middle of the night, I just heard like... Uh, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. In, in the, the middle, middle of the night, night, I've been walking in my sleep. Yeah. So they are woken up in the middle of the fucking night by a sound in the distance. It is the sound of Josh like screaming for his life. Yeah. Screaming for help. And he's... Agonized screaming. And he's like, and he's like, he's being tortured or something. Or he's being cut up or something. And like, they're calling out for him like, Josh, Josh, please answer us. And it's just... Just screams is the only thing he could belt out there, and it is frightening. Yeah, like I, I see. I'd say because cause I know this is around the point. Like before he went missing was when I first walked in on the movie. Okay, first time I saw it. This here was like 
the parts that were really sticking with me, the fact that you could hear him out in the fucking distance and everything. Right. Screaming for his fucking life, like, oh. You don't know what's happening to him either. Yeah. They could, like, whoever is out there could have him, like, strapped to a wagon and is just, like, dissecting his ass. So do you think we should have seen the remains of Josh? I kind of do. I really do think, and we'll, we'll elaborate more when we get to the actual ending, I feel like where the camera sh- landed in focus should have been, like, Josh's body lying there at least. Mm-hmm. At least. Give us something, not just... Because I, I do remember with my stepbrothers pausing it during that and just looking in the background, trying to find something. Right. And there was nothing. Like, yes, we see Mike standing in the corner. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you're waiting for us <laughs> to, there, but, uh, to give a version of the ending, if you haven't heard it already. But yeah. It's a 20-year-old movie. Sorry, It's folks. a 20-year-old movie. But, like, we get nothing, you know? And it, it, it felt disappointing. I felt that final shot should have hung on something. Right. Or something should have happened or something should have gone gone by like i know i I mentioned you know what we'll save it for the end and discussion yeah so the following day um heather wakes up and she she wakes up first yeah and she pokes her head out of the tent as she's getting ready and then it's just a pile of sticks tied together with a piece of josh's shirt yeah and there's like isn't there like more than one pile yeah and there's blood in there and she decides to do it. I'm just going to move it away. I'm going to move it away from the And she fucking tosses it away from the tent. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anything to do with this right now. I'm just like, get out of here. I ain't looking at this bullshit. Right. And he's like, and Mike is really just like, he is. Like, he's lost his fucking he's like, blah, 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 blah. He is gone kind of cuckoo at this point. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, he's, he's, he's one step away from doing that right now because he's literally just sitting on the ground, rocking back and forth. But she does go over to try and comfort him, and they cuddle for a sec. But she goes back to the pile, unties it, and inside there's another piece of his shirt in there. Like it's like this like flannel plaid shirt he was wearing. Pattern, yeah. It's like covered in fucking blood. It's like tied into a pouch. Yeah. She opens it, and inside there's clumps of his hair and bloody teeth. Yeah. Originally, I had no idea what the fuck that was when I when I was first watching. We're trying to figure it out. Like we. Th- I, I, we were our first guess was pretty much right. That was teeth, but I heard forever it was his tongue and teeth. Like oh. no, it's, it's mostly just teeth and clumps of hair. And Heather fucking just loses it. Like she tries, she tries to hold back, and she's like, like a muffled <laughs> scream. I sounded like a leaf blower there for a minute. <laughs> but she doesn't want to alert Mike. She doesn't want to scare him. She she really like. I, I feel like she gives a shit enough now not to be terrified. Yeah, but she's just, trying not to be hysterical right here and and trying to keep her cool despite the best efforts of the, the witch trying to fuck with them. My suspension of disbelief is a bit stretched at this point because I feel if she was truly freaked out by that, she would have dropped the fucking camera. Like, yeah. even accidentally just <gasps> just to put her, like, hands around her mouth from, right. like, that shock. She would not still be holding on to a fucking Super 16 or what, right? No, she, she got the high 8 camera here because we're in color. Oh, that's right. She, got um, that. she would not still be holding it. She would have dropped that thing just, like, out of pure shock. Yeah. Um, and so the teeth was real. Mm-hmm. It wasn't It wasn't Josh's, but uh, Eduardo Sanchez is, like, a dentist. Like, he went to him to get, like, hey. He actually managed to get real human teeth from a, and from a dentist. And there's fake blood. And the hair is, like, cl- is Probably cut clumps off. of Josh's. Because I know I used to have long hair. When you brush, you brush your hair, it, fucking it, enough hair come comes out. out. Um Especially if he's terrified and everything, the stress and everything, he's got more hair falling out. Yeah, right. Or he could have just pulled it out and just took one for the team. Like yeah. Mick Foley used to do that in the middle of the ring every fucking match. Right. And that's why I think that there's one of the greatest parts of like this like TV movie about the Yankees, and it's Mickey Mantle. It's, I think it's Barry Pepper as Mar- uh, Mickey Mantle. And he's so stressed out right now that he just, he runs his hands through his hair. 
and clumps of his hair just comes out in his hand because he's that stressed out. His hair is falling out. Oh, shit. And Heather does not tell Mike what she's just seen. But she is clearly disturbed. She's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And Mike's just like, uh, what? <laughs> she she is doing kind of Shelly Duvall in The Shining right now. Like she's losing her fucking marble. She's like she's like struggling to put her fucking backpack on. Right, and then like, Mike has to help her with that. She's got her gloves like her on. Her eyes are all swollen from like crying so crying hard, crying so hard. And so they continue to go east in the hopes that maybe, just maybe, they will be able to get the fuck out of there. Mike, out of desperation for food, decides to eat a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> and they Very large leaf. <laughs> a very I'd large leaf. I'd use that for butt wiping at that point. Um, what? I'd use that for a butt wiping. Exactly. That's, like, a, that's a good-sized leaf for fucking ass wiping. And it's not going to give you a poison oak in your anus, so I think you should really... Uh, There's no poison oak on your anus. <laughs> we got jokes here, folks. <laughs> that's a dad joke right there. But... You know, sunsets. They have to make a camp again, and we get probably the most iconic, one of the most iconic, iconic movies. scenes in the whole the movie. Image from the movie. This is the one that is the most adver- used in advertisements and the most parodied. Yes, yes. It's Heather while Mike is asleep, holding the camera up. Now he- Heather, the actress, did not realize that she had the camera zoomed in. Right. So that's why it has this close up because it, like it's mostly her like from like. The, her forehead, her eyes, it's and her nose. It's close up here. And but it's like, very much to the right. Yeah, so there's only one eye is in the frame for the s- most of it. Sometimes one eye goes out of frame, but it's her basically apologizing to everyone for everything that's happened, how she pushed the issue of filmmaking, how she should have stopped when things got bad and yeah. really focused, and how, like, like she's blaming herself. Right, because at this point, they have, the filmmakers have collected the actors, and they've gone to the second location where the house is going to be. This is, like, nearby the house. Now, allegedly, what I read is that she actually walked away to film this herself. Yes. Yeah. She did this completely improv. That's probably why it fucked up a little like that. She didn't have the zoom and everything like that. Right. There was no one there to tell her, hey, you're zoomed in on your face. And the fact but that it, she's crying so much and, like, like snot is coming out of her nose. Oh, yeah. It's every, like, like uh, scary movie parody. Oh, oh, yeah. What the hell? It was like, Sherry like, O'Terry. Like, she's got, like, Niagara Falls coming yeah. out of her nose. Sherry O'Terry after, because uh, uh, she was Gail Hillstorm, the reporter, <laughs> trying to interview Ghostface while he's murdering somebody. She said, get the fuck out. And then they both run away, and they have that parody of the scene earlier when they're running from the, the tent being attacked. Yeah. And... and they do the whole thing, the parody of this, where it's zoomed up on her face, and they just have more tears coming. The nose is just fucking water is pouring <laughs> out. It's not as pouring I out. I love it. Like, Ghost is like, I'm just trying to do my fucking job here. You can't come over here with camera in my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the iconic scene when, she's, when she hears, like, a grinding in the background, saying, what is that? And then, and then the one that was used in a lot of commercials where she's, like, shaking, and she says, we're going to die out here. Look and he's around. like, I'm so scared to. Die I'm too afraid to close my eyes, but I'm too afraid to keep oh, my eyes open. Yeah, like, like it, it, it's it's a very effective scene. Oh and yeah, it, even though it is easily parodied, it is very effective. It scene. is incredibly haunting. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's just like it is because it's so genuine. Because it is legit fear, just like being poured down tape I, right there. I feel like that's the moment where you know the end is coming. Yeah, I really do. Because and the end is coming because we we our next scene. It's night. They're trying to sleep again, and Josh is out there screaming again. Yep, and they leave the tent and like, do it. Like, let's go. Let's go and get him. Yeah, let's go they, and get him because he's bo- obviously still alive. We can go. We can go and save him. Yeah, they're taking both cameras. They have the fucking lights on the camera. They didn't bring flashlights with them. Apparently, that's kind no, of no. They do have flashlights do because they? they because the previous night they, they were, or when Josh was still with them, you can see 
Heather has a flash, a small flashlight in her mouth as she yes she yeah. stitches up her the hole in her pants. But those wouldn't be effective for going to like the flashlight. They're too, on, too small. Like the lights on the, the cameras. The lights on cameras are far more powerful. And so, so they go out into the woods, screaming Josh's name in the hopes to find him. But they don't find him. They find something else. They find something much worse. Or something far more menacing. And it's it's an house. old abandoned house from like two hundred years ago. I, I, I just got goosebumps when we said that. Boost gumps. Uh, boost gumps. You yeah, got boost gumps. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh, uh, hashtag boost gumps. <laughs> hashtag boost gumps. You made it this far. Hashtag boost gumps. If you listen to this episode. Um, now the actors were not told that they were going to find a house. No. Like, Mike was giving the instruction, you go up yep, and then you go, go down. down. He's like, what the fuck does that mean? But and then, like, his reaction of saying, holy shit, it's a house, was real. Yeah. And so they go to this house, and apparently there was a lot of graffiti spray yeah. painted in the house, and so the filmmakers had to paint that. And while they were painting that, one of the producers had one of their nephews come by and dip their hand in paint and just Black smear. And just put handprints all over the wall. So it's, it's alleged to be the house... Uh, Rustin Parr brought the kids to. It makes you wonder, what is that? Is that fucking paint or is it blood? Right. And they're just like, they're like, Mike keeps running off, and so it's just like they're separating themselves from the, each yeah. other. And like, for the most part, Mike is not looking at the viewfinder, at least like when we go to the 16 millimeter footage right here. He's looking down at yeah. the viewfinder. That's why he doesn't have it pressed up to his eyes. I think he's just like trying to look at his feet so he doesn't trip on it. When, when he made that turn, it looked like he was looking down the viewfinder. That's what kind of killed my suspension of disbelief. Right. But and so we hear more voices of Josh, Josh uh, screaming right there. But they just can't pinpoint it. No. However, Mike thinks, "Oh wait, no, he's upstairs. He's upstairs." Hence the instruction go up. So Mike goes upstairs, and the thing is, he's he's you could tell he's he, in, he's impatient. He's not he's not waiting for Heather. Heather's like waiting, you know, screaming for him. Like, like well, let's not separate here. But Mike just runs up the stairs by himself, and Heather follows. Yes, Heather follows, and when they get to the very very top, though. They start, you know, he's screaming for, where are you? And that's when he hears it again. And Mike says, I hear him. He's downstairs. No, no, he's, he's downstairs. downstairs. He's downstairs. And so he, he takes leaves off. Heather. He takes off like a fucking bat out of hell. Goes downstairs, finds the basement area, stops. Oh, shit. Josh, like, Josh, Josh, are you here? And he says, no, like, wait, wait. Are you down here? And then, Ka-clomp. Well, he gets to the bottom of the stairs, looks around, whimpering. Josh? All of a sudden, you hear, boom, and the camera's dropped. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Uh, what just happened? And all we hear now is just the screams of Heather coming in the from distance. that camera, coming from the camera in, in the, the basement. basement. And it's just Heather going from the second floor, even to the as first. even as we're seeing her footage, the sound is from her far away. Oh, it's such an unnerving. Like I, I have my hair, all my you hair. Have boost, you got full on boost gums. You got full on boost gums. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna live, live that down. So now. she gets to the basement, and as she as she turns to the corner of the basement where Mike was. Mike is standing there facing the corner. And what happened is that they... She's screaming his name, and then... She boom! Gets, she gets hit by something, and the camera drops, and there's just... And it just holds on this on this one shot of just on the floor. The the film is kind of a little shaky at that point. Because it, it, it's gone off the track, and it's not, it's not filming properly of the running through the camera right yeah. there. And that's it. Cut to credits. Now, what happened is that, like, Mike got into the basement, two crew members grabbed him, and put the camera on the ground, and says, hey... Go stand in the corner and wait for Heather. And Heather goes down there and just, everybody waits in silence until Heather is screaming as she gets down there. And that's when a, ca- a crew member grabs her and, like, carefully placed the – dropped the camera onto the ground. Now I wonder, did they, like, really tell her about that, that they were – I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I think they want the, the – Did they give her the notice that, like, like this is how it's going to – But they had to do it again. 
Because the audio was an issue the following day, so they had to go back again to do that. And refilm it, yeah. yeah. So by then, she went Now, other endings were filmed after Artisan got a hold of it. Right. There was one of Mike standing in the corner, and there was nothing but stick men hanging up after he got there. Yep. There was one of him hanging in the corner, one of him being crucified in the corner. Yeah, surrounded but, by stick men. But the funny part was that the crucifixion one, just the way I guess the film exposed, it looked like he was levitating. Yeah, because you couldn't see his feet, so he was literally just like from torso up, and it looked like he was just floating in the distance right there. But ultimately, they went with the ending that we got. Right. Now, I maintain that instead of when, when she drops that the camera, I feel like Josh's body should have been there. Or Heather falls in the frame. I'm going to say Josh, just so we know, like, we, we know that they're all fucking dead. Right. Just so we can confirm that they're all fucking I dead. I think it's assumed that Josh is dead. Yeah, but I think it would have been interesting because of the way they fucking, like, like maybe he's... It's like a bloody body. Like, he's bl- a- like, mouth and face full of blood, no teeth, whatever, you know, some some effect done up. Yeah. But, like, just something where it's like, okay, we know that, like, that's it. Would you want to see the witch? I don't know if I would have, because I feel like that's almost like... That's almost like a thing nowadays where you have that final shot in, in found footage movies that digitally becomes an evil face and charges at the camera right. or charges at somebody. So maybe something walking by, mm-hmm. like hairy feet or whatever. Yeah. Fucking hobbit feet. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Oh. <laughs> Do not take me for some conjurer of, of cheap, cheap tricks. tricks. I'm not trying to rob, to rob you. you. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> no, okay, so you have uh, Mike and Heather approaching the house. No, thank you. I don't want well, any no well wishes. Fans <laughs> or distant relations. <laughs> what about very old friends? <laughs> Gandalf? Bilbo Baggins. And so, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I think the ending is still effective. It's but, effective, but just the fact that it cuts on nothing makes it less effective to me. I think they the wanted the ambiguity out there just so we could have these conversations 20 years later to say, like, what the hell happened there. Mm, you still think another... it's unsatisfying? I still think just that simple fact makes it unsatisfying because it's like, fuck, just, just give me something to end on. Mm-hmm. Give me something to end on except a camera. Maybe, like. Maybe yeah, a shadow walking, going by, mm-hmm. something. Wait, the wait. sound of footsteps walking up the stairs, you know? Mm-hmm. You like the chorus from Greece, like, tell me more, tell, tell me, me more. more. But yeah. Don't so touch that's... his ass while you're being massaged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that's Blair Witch Project. That is the Blair Witch Project. And now, this movie scared up a hell of a fucking reputation. Yeah, I mean, it literally changed how movies are marketed. It changed how movies are made. I mean, when it comes to low-budget horror movies... Could it be considered the first real viral sensation? I would say so. I mean, I mean at least when it comes in- to a movie, anyway. Because of the internet's infancy at that time? I, I mean... I had only had the internet for three years at this point. This I mean, out. because by this point, there already were... F- forums out there for big TV shows. Like, there was a Simpsons forum. There was a X-Files forum. The same thing with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Shows were, <coughs> excuse me, that were big in terms of the zeitgeist. They had their kind of fans already out there being rabid in trying to find more out about what the process of the, these um, pieces of media were being made. And so, seeing this on such a global scale, I think it, it is safe to say this was the first viral movie. I would think so. And but I ask you, like, how do you how do you feel about its influence on found footage movies in general? It fucking 
popularized the hell out of it pretty much until Paranormal Activity came along. Right. You know, it's funny because Paranormal Activity was like 10 years, was 10 years later. Yeah, exactly. And that was the newfound footage craze. It's kind of like, it's kind of like almost the comparison I made because I'm trying to think what other found footage movies were there really after, between Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity? I'm. What were some major ones? I'm. I'm struggling to think of what were the big ones in between. There, there has to be. There has to be. I, like, I'm sure. Let us know in the comments if you know anything between 2008, 1999, and 2009. I'm sure there has to be other found footage movies because even still, I think this is the kind of movie that kind of killed Scream. In terms of like being the big franchise horror, the big horror movie of that I time. feel like it killed the slasher revival almost, kind of. Yeah, because after that, because everything like Valentine and what have you, and the Urban Legend sequels, that became incredibly quaint after the success of the Blair Witch Project. But it is curious to see how things progressed and how Found Footage became. I mean, like, okay, you think of it this way. We compared this earlier to Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. And how there was immediately rip-offs and knock-offs as soon as that movie was successful. That's more akin to Paranormal Activity than it was for Blair Witch Project. All right. So you could put this more to, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or Psycho. Or I'd put Cannibal Holocaust to Psycho. Okay. The real first one that, you know... That left a lasting impression that was tweaked and reworked everything yeah. until it became. All right, so, so this could be this could be more Texas because it's mu- it's much more raw than Paranormal Activity. Right, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was kind of one of the influences on this movies because you think of the stick figures is kind of very much like how the the decorated house of human remains in Texas. Yeah, just Ch- Chainsaw Massacre, not just the state of Texas, not in the great state of Texas. Texas. Three um, Stooges. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, so how do you feel like this movie holds up 20 years later? I think it fucking holds up great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel like in today's day and age, if you were raised on, you know, modern movies, you're probably not going to be the biggest fan of it. Like, but I, I always say that, like, the, the, the a movie's reliance on modern technology pretty much kills it dead in the water. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're isolated in the woods, even if you were to make this now, they'd have no real access to modern technology because you're not going to get a fucking signal out there, you yeah. know? You need, like, a GPS thing that is legit based off a satellite. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they're shooting on film for a documentary look, like, yeah, you could just bring you could bring a fucking selfie stick in your phone with you to film this shit. Yeah. Or cameras like you own. Mm-hmm. So maybe from that perspective, but the nice part is, is that I feel like the cameras themselves – don't really – you do see them a lot. I didn't really realize how big the fucking 16-millimeter camera was until watching it this past time. Yeah. So I, I kind of do feel like this holds up. Like the cameras themselves, you don't really get to take a huge, a very close look. at. They don't sit here and analyze them and say, oh, yeah, this is 16-millimeter. And it's nothing really anachronistic. There's no like references to pop culture at the time. They're no, like, none at all. There's nothing like a Britney Spears reference or anything yeah. in there. Oh, hit me, baby, one more time. Right. If there is anything reference to pop culture, it's stuff from the past that anybody would make a joke of, like Gilligan's Island or yeah. like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, but like maybe like the, the very lo-fi look of the, the Hi-8, right? Yeah. Might be a little daunting, but at the same time, you could think, oh, it's just a cheap camera. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to put 
So I, I and I'm not saying that like the quality, the quality's so bad that you think you need to go see your goddamn optometrist no. when watching this movie. It's you could see what you need to see. Yeah, but you'll always be looking for shit too because of how it plays tricks on your mind. So I really do feel there's nothing technologically holding this movie back. I feel it's more a matter of do you, are you someone who's into psychological horror? I think it proves the point. Two things when it comes to movies that like sound is more important than image despite the fact that it's motion pictures, that an audience will sit in a movie that looks like shit, but you can hear everything, everybody's clear, and nobody will question it. Mm -hmm. If you watch a movie that looks gorgeous, but the sound is terrible, everybody, nobody will stand for that shit. Sound is part of that fourth wall. Sound yeah. is part of that immersive fourth wall. If it, if it sounds like you're in the fucking movie... Why do you think I have? I fucking insist on having my surround sound system. Yeah. And why do you think I've looked into like like I, I'm kind of like I'm sure we said this before. I'm the fucking gamer of the two. Yeah. And I got a hell of a fucking retro gaming setup with my surround sound setup. I've researched like what old consoles supported surround sound. I'm fucking amazed when I play like Ocarina of Time on a real N64 of how mm -hmm. it supported Dolby Pro Logic, and it's maybe it's not the most perfect surround sound, but when you when you go to an area where like one of the few areas where it's raining or you play the Song of Storms, it sounds like it's raining in your fucking room right. with a properly tuned sound system. Mm -hmm. That I love. That helps me, you know? Yeah. When I'm playing a fucking Star Wars TIE Fighter game, I hear the TIE Fighters whizzing around my head, you know? Mm -hmm. It's immersive. When we watch these movies and, and you hear the sounds like trees rustling in the, you know, in crickets around you and shit, it's immersive. Yeah. And especially sound for horror that... You could think... I, I almost think of it as like... You're looking. You're you're the from the perspective you sit in the theater. You're looking at the screen. That's where you are. the sur The surround sound is like think of the screen as like a person that you're looking at who's talking to you. Mm -hmm. Think of the surround sound as someone outstretching their arms and embracing around you. Right. You are now held into this person's bubble. That's why I love like in that's what surround sound does. It brings you into the fucking bubble of that world. Definitely. Where yeah. you can only you may only be able to see the world in front of you, but you can hear it and feel it all around you. That's why I love like the advertisement for IMAX when you're in the IMAX theater. It's like why IMAX is better when they show the sounds like because you hear it front, behind, left, and right. And they they show and they, and you have the according sounds coming from those areas, so you know how immersive this sounds. Well you you've also is. heard me test on my computer and stuff when I'll hook when I would hook it up. And I go into, like, the sound thing to make sure the surround sound is set. And I do a little test where it comes individually out of every speaker. And then the subwoofer, boom. Yes. And so, yeah. Like, and this is just a fucking basic stereo surround. Uh, it's not surround. This is basic stereo. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It works. Because you hear the sound of the fucking voices. Mm -hmm. You know, and all the shit. Like, trees uh, cracking and rocks being thrown. And mm -hmm. the voices of the children. And Josh screaming. And it comes from those left and right sides. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it is an important movie in the horror genre. I think it's very important. And I know, I know people say, like, oh, it's not that scary. And I'm like. That's the thing. It, it, it is divisive. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. If you can appreciate good psychological horror. Yeah. You know, there's no, aside from the teeth, there's no fucking blood or gore. No. Aside from that. No jump scares. It's just. But this is the, one of the scariest things is just ha children's handprints on a wall. Yeah. That's the only, like, the sound of laughing children in the background in yeah. the middle of the night. And I fall a into, guy standing in a corner. Yeah, I fall into the love category. I think it is, I do too. It is still scary. Like I know, we'll we can debate the ending till the cows come home. And I highly think recommended. Yes, I highly recommend as well. And whatever format you get in it on, I think you should 
the one specs you should look for is how the sound mix is, like whether it be the Blu-ray or DVD. Track it down and watch it. I think. It's I mean, there's probably not going to be much discrepancy between the two. No. Maybe just sample rate based on. This you is know. not the Blade Runner, the final cut, but we talk about like uh, difference in one yeah. version of another. No, because for how the movie was made, which that still impresses the shit out of me for how the movie was made, how well, how effective it was. Yeah, it, it is reaffirming to like a filmmaker like myself that you don't need all the bells and whistles to make an effective story. As nope. long as you, as long as you have good story and good actors and good sound, you can make a, an effective movie. And I think that's, that's as for anybody who wants to be a movie maker in any way, shape or form, I think this is just a really valid, uh, validating experience to feel and uh, to experience, I should say, I know it's a terrible way of saying it. Highly recommended. So do I. And, yeah, so that wraps up our month of uh, horrors, our Shocktober, our Schlocktober, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <clears throat> Mike, I don't. I know you don't have any social medias. So you don't have to plug anything. Um, so I plug want... my phone in. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2, my Instagram at TimothyRooney1012, uh, my YouTube channel, Through the Lens Productions, uh, my other podcast, Please Rewind, the RRF4RM Retro Show. If you want to help support the show, uh, give us a five-star written review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out there. And subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Mike, thank you again for taking so much time out of your day to do this with me. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll be back next month. As, as I think we said, you and I are going to try and do stuff at least maybe two a month, one a month. Yeah, two a month, I think, for at least for the end of the year. And then... After that, we'll, we'll play it by year. Yeah, probably once a month for 2020. But next time... We're gonna we're gonna go out of our comfort zone a little. We're gonna do something we haven't done before. Right. Um, we're gonna we're, make a trip to Gotham. We're gonna make a trip to Gotham. Another anniversary episode. We are going to be covering Batman: Arkham Asylum, the video game. Yeah, for the ten year anniversary, and I cannot believe that's ten years. I old I can't already. believe it's ten years old already, too. I mean, now this is gonna be interesting to do because we got to play through it individually. Yeah. Um, You'll probably be handling it on PS3. I think I'm going to stick with the Return to Arkham remaster on mm. PS4. I have also played the PC version all the I way through. I might want to get the Return to Arkham remaster on PS4. It's cool. I'd say try it before you buy it. Okay. Just because of like some of the aesthetic changes. but mm -hmm. Or you could come over and check it out sometime. Okay. But, yeah, that's the next one we're going to do. Um it's going to be interesting getting done the month of November because November 8th, Death Stranding comes out. So I have to now make some time. I have to put like a week aside to play Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I, when, I when, say like you start now before Death Stranding comes out. I think you could probably you could probably 100% it before Death Stranding comes out. Yeah, I just got to make sure I, I uh, you know, take plenty of notes and do shit as I go along. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's going to be curious. Or unless Death Stranding is a fucking flop. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, hope I, I, I think, like, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Hideo Kojima, but I kind of feel like he's really stretching himself this time. Mm. He's kind of really just going way out there crazy this time. Yeah, he's really stranding himself there. He's really stranding himself. <laughs> and it'll be career death. You know? Yeah. No. I think it'll be good, but it'll be one of those heavily divisive games where everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And some people are like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Kojima is God. Yeah. And I think there's probably, probably only two ways that goes. That's but usually how it does. But like how this show, anything goes. So come back next next time. We continue to talk about geek and pop culture, and I uh, hope you enjoy. I hope you have a very safe and wonderful Halloween. And anything goes. And now we're gonna go. Yeah, come back next time, and we'll be speaking to you soon.